another episode of metal rock and whiskey and tonight the video killed the radio star so for the listeners that might be new to the show and we hope you are we sometimes compare two albums from one artist against each other, discuss, argue, and very unprofessionally debate the merits, and in the end, only one album or artist will reign supreme. We are not doing that at all tonight, <laughs> because this may mathematically be a typical episode. I don't know how you figure that, Jake, but anyway, we are going to totally diverge from the normal process. We won't be talking we? about a band or a particular artist we or won't? even oh. a genre. Do we have what? a normal? Do we have a normal process? We do. A, we do. What's this process? Does we're anybody I remember? created a process. If, Hello. If one of the listeners remembers, please remind us. Okay. Hey. But <laughs> anyway, tonight we will be talking about one of, if not the most important medium for getting music to the people. It certainly was for all of us. Tonight we'll be discussing the history and the glory days of MTV. But before we get into that discussion... This, geez, I am Sean Connery all over this tonight. My S's are all coming out. Just do it. Just go, with, this. Just roll with it. Let's go with this. So before we get into this discussion, let's talk about what kind of scotch we are all drinking this evening. You're not supposed to say scotch. You're supposed to say whiskey. 
Sean Connery likes scotch. He is not supposed to say scotch either. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, what Glad kind of whi- what what kind of whiskey are we drinking tonight? Want to go first, Matt? What are you drinking? I am drinking wild turkey rye. Yum! Yes, one of my favorite. Very ryes. good. Great solid brands. So good. <clears throat> solid rye. Yeah, it's solid. really good. Solid, solid all solid. around. That's that one. The, the only, the only, a contra, the, contra, controversial, controversial, controversial rye, actually, because uh, wild <laughs> turkey has made. They've made several excuses as to why that rye has oh. been difficult to get over the past ten years, mm. <clears throat> especially over the past five years. Did you say excuses? That's kind of harsh. Mm. I'm going to call it excuses. <laughs> Okay. I know that uh, you know Jimmy Russell himself and Eddie Russell have stood by the story behind uh, Forgiven, the Wild Turkey release. Mm-hmm. But they they, ha- they have particularly blamed that release for um, the shortage of rye out of Wild Turkey over the past five. I can or so I years. can see that. Yeah, I can so, see that. But I was going to say that the that is one word. The first word that pops in my mind whenever I think Wild Turkey is solid. Mm. Oh, yeah, Solid. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. At least for now. Yes. Oh! <laughs> no. If you don't know what I'm alluding to, listen to Monday's news don't make me cry. episode. Well, you know what? I'm Sailor, also what are you drinking, drinking. I'm drinking wild turkey as well. Yes. <laughs> nice. What you got? I am very close to killing my bottle of Master's Keep, finally. Mm. Um, I think, though, I'm going to leave Which one? The last. Which one? The decades? So, it's the 17-year <coughs> oh, um, that was released that oh, in 2017. This is the bottle that my uncle gave me um, from his wedding, my favorite uncle, when we had our special dram together. And um, <clears throat> I turned him on to whiskey, to bourbon in specific, and wild turkey, and <clears throat> He's, man, that man, he learns so fast. He's hilarious. <laughs> he texts me like almost every day like, oh, have you tried this? Look at this. Here's the tasting notes of this. I'm like, oh, excuse me. Um, so this bottle is really special to me. So I think I'm going to keep the last ram of it and do something special with it. But my God, I mean, we all know Rare Breed is my favorite. It's my favorite. That's not the right word. Um, it's my deserted island bourbon. Um I think it's like the definition of bourbon. If you had to have like a base bourbon, you know what I mean? For the price point, it's killer. But this Master's Keep, especially um, this release, is just absolutely phenomenal. So special, so intricate, and so complex that I love when I... I don't know if you guys have this experience, but I drink drink a lot of different whiskeys all the time especially bourbon and American whiskey. And I love when I come back to a bottle and I'm reminded of how unique some of these expressions can be. And this master's keep, there's others that do that for me, but this master's keep always, even though I I've been drinking this for a long time, it, it's, I, it's like, Oh wow. You wowed me again, you know? And, and I think like Matt, you just said like, this is solid. This is mm-hmm. solid. And I get that from most whiskeys. Like I've had it so many times. Yes, it's solid. Even with barrel picks, it's great. But to go, Oh, you've wowed me. Yeah. Is very, for us that drink it every day and really the only thing we drink, it's very hard. I think it gets hard to do sometimes to be completely wowed, you know? And, and this does that for me. <laughs> it's, it's a wow factor. <clears throat> I would agree with everything you said there. And I would say that, uh, 
that 17 year master's keep is like rare breed cranked up to yes, 11. Exactly. I mean, yes. it is like it, take all of the take all the best flavor notes from rare breed and yep. just magnify yep. them on a level to where it just blows your palate. It's rare it's breed with so red good. lipstick glitter oh and God. amazing like amazing <laughs> shoes and some if, I don't know, some candy too. I think that's that's one thing I I, I always <laughs> when people would ask me about that 17 year, I would always say is I would always ask them, "Do you like wild turkey?" Because if you like wild turkey, then you will absolutely just love the yes. seventeen year because it's it's everything that wild turkey is completely just magnified. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. What proof? What proof does that come in at? Ninety uh, four? No, wait. It's they're not always the same. I want to say ninety four. No, this yeah, yeah, this one might be. I can't see no, it from here. it's ninety six. This one's ninety six. Yeah. Okay. Um. You know, and you know what? I was gonna say. Oh shit! I just do you have the same? Thought. You have the same bottle, Jake? Same year? I do. Seventeen. Yeah. I, yeah. Seventeen. I have, yeah. I have all the masters keep. Uh, I releases. was gonna. Damn it! Yeah. I was gonna say something. <clears throat> now I fucked it up. See what happens when you get old and you, and you drink a lot. You forget what you're gonna say. <laughs> or when what Matt, or when Matt, in, or when Matt interrupts you. So. We were talking. No, but- <laughs> You said something, and then I was going to say something after that. Something, something, something. That's usually how conversation works. I know, right? Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Shit. Well, while you're thinking well about said, that, well said. Oh, while, you're, well, while you're thinking about that, uh, to go back to uh, Ed's point about what we talked about on Monday's news episode, I am actually drinking Heaven Hill Six Year Bottle and Bond. Oh, uh, I, you know, Look I felt, you. I felt, uh, you know, why not? I've got a. I've got a bottle of the bottle and bond and a bottle of the regular green label six year. And you know what? To be quite honest, it, as much as I like this for what it is, I I don't want to I don't want to sound like a you know a snob, but I don't really like it that much. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, I, it's I, like I've had an everyday it's, drinker. It, right? it, well, it's just a solid daily drinker. I think well, it's one of those things. Everybody says it's good for the money. It's not the best that, whiskey ever. It's right. good for the money. So I it's paid, a great daily drinker. I paid no. $10 for this exactly. bottle two years ago, and I've had this same bottle on my bar for two years. <clears throat> it's one of those things. If, if you put this in a blind with other you know, $10 to $20 bottles, it's going to do very well. Oh, yeah, it is. But that's not, it's just not, it's just, <laughs> it's just not generally the, uh, I think, I think for me where when I'm, when I'm drinking, you know, quote unquote, like a, a budget bourbon for me, I think my, my baseline for budget is like a Buffalo trace pick. And I think that all of the Buffalo trace picks that I have. And Buffalo Trace picks are generally in that like eight year range. Mm-hmm. That's generally what I would take over this. Probably ten, probably ten times ever out of ten. So you're a snob then, <sighs> for sure. As good as this is up against other four to six year, you know, ten to twenty dollar bourbons, I don't love it. I don't drink it often. It's kind of one of those things you just have on your bar. So people that are freaking out, like going to buy a ton of it guess what after a couple after a year or two they're probably going to release something very similar to it and you're going to be able to get it for 10 to 20 dollars don't freak out don't go buy it for a hundred dollars on secondary it's not worth it just chill out you're right about half that statement (laughs) Mm -hmm. ed all right 
Are you drinking well, your whiskey pairing or what? For me, I do have my whiskey pairing for the show tonight. But first, let me play something for you guys. Emmy's up there. What's that? Hawaiian noises. He's banging on the bundles like a chimpanzee. Oh, that ain't working. That's the way you do it. Get your money for nothing. Get your chicks free. Alright, that was great, but let's get to it. <clears throat> okay, well tonight is going to be a night of reminiscing about things gone by, things that change over the years, and coinc- not so coincidentally, maybe coincidentally, I don't know, maybe it's not a coincidence mm. on Monday how the topic came up. Um, very timely about the death of the Heaven Hill six-year age statement. Just one in a line of age statements that have been dying. Um, similarly, MTV has been dying over the years for me. It started out as an awesome television channel, played music videos, introduced the world to all kinds of new artists, new types of music that they may have not listened to before, perhaps. Um, so, in honor of that, I am drinking a bottle I am nursing. Um, I don't know, you might still be able to find some of these out there. It's a 12-year age-stated Elijah Craig. Yay! Oh, nice! <laughs> mm-hmm. Coming Yay. in at 94 proof, this bottle you could find, you know, I think I paid like 28 bucks for it, 12-year bourbon, very solid, 94 proof, um, good color, great nose, pretty much everything you could want in a bourbon at a great price, but uh, yeah, these uh, things change over the years prices go up age statements get dropped um there you go jake's got one Mm. holding up one to the camera himself i'll share that dram with you (laughs) for all those reasons i figured that this would be the perfect bourbon to go with our discussion about mtv tonight this is gonna be a good this is gonna be a solid cork pop i I haven't opened this bottle in a while great analogy That was pretty young, okay. That <laughs> was basic. This bottle's almost gone. I had I, I one I will say, Ed, yeah. what I love about your segment is, uh, oh, and I guess what I should say was what I love about this bottle is that uh, the Elijah Craig 12-year, the, what they're nicknamed as is, is the Big Reds. They're, they're nicknamed yeah. the Big Reds for the Big Red 12 on the front. And uh, when I <clears throat> first decided to buy a bottle of bourbon that, you know, was outside of my box. So outside of like the Jim Beam and the Maker's Mart, you know, the stuff that you get in, you know, in a bar or whatever. You can find a 90% of the bars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I went into a liquor store and, I, you know, I was like, I'm just going to buy something. I want to try something new. And this was, this was the bottle that I bought was an Elijah Craig 12 year. I thought the bottle was cool. I thought the 12 was cool. You know, I just it just struck me visually, and so I bought it. 
and it changed. I mean, hey, I wouldn't be sitting here today if that weren't the case because I poured it on the rocks at that time, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And it's it's truly what uh, what put me on the path that I'm on. I had an unopened bottle of that for quite some time. I had two bottles. I drank one and kept one sealed and actually was able to uh, sell it for twice what I paid for it. So holds a special place in my heart for more than one reason. I have a <laughs> bottle at home that I killed right before I left. The Right before I left Massachusetts, I killed it. So that's mm-hmm. my bottle now. Damn it. And that was well, awesome. that's what it's for. It's meant to be drank. Damn right. As Mr. Freddie Johnson would say, never, ever, ever wait to share a dram of whiskey. Drink it now. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it now. Preferably That's with right. friends. I agree 100%. All right, guys. Are you ready to talk about the subject of the night? Damn, yeah, buddy. I, I am ready. <laughs> All right. Let's do this. Let's do it. So... Okay, I feel I feel like recently I've said this a few times, so we really need to get back to our album battles. This was so so challenging for me to put to put together as a timeline. I this broke. I will admit this broke my brain. I've been working on this <laughs> timeline for other than Metallica. I probably worked on this longer than any other timeline I've done. And I why I mean it's only I, like forty years. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, close to four. Actually, close to forty. <laughs> really close I to forty. Oh, yes, I know. That freaks me out. Don't say it. Um, Pretty much I my t- entire lifetime. <laughs> I totally underestimated. Um, I thought, like, let, okay, let's let, let's start here. The reason why we are doing a whole show on MTV is because we have repeatedly brought up. MTV, we've repeatedly, if I can speak correctly, brought up the, you know, video as a medium. We've brought up certain shows on MTV several times. And, and when I go back and I listen to our episodes and I, I do this thing where I go back and I try to keep track of what we've discussed and what we've talked about the best way that I can. And, and I've, we have certain threads and we try to make shows out of those threads. One day we're going to do a show about censorship because it's come up in, my God, right? Almost every album Mm -hmm. that we've ever done and every band. And MTV, we decided we had to talk about because for those of us that grew up in the era of MTV, and that's a big, that could be the 80s, that could be the 90s and the early 2000s. It was one of the most important places that we learned about music from. So we felt like it was really important to dedicate a whole show to it. And I and after working on this timeline, we could have dedicated 10 shows to it. So bear with me. I did my best to pull this timeline together in a way that was concise enough to fit into the show, but covered enough. I did not cover everything that MTV gave us. Um, perhaps you guys will bring up things that I didn't cover. What I'm saying is I know I left things out, but I did that for the sake of time so that we don't have a four-hour show. I don't know if you guys would like a four-hour show. I'm assuming you wouldn't (laughs) as listeners. So I try to always do the timeline respectfully of time. As an editor, I can say I wouldn't. (laughs) And Ed lets me for it. Okay, so we're going to start off with the birth of MTV. And I'm, I'm choosing this moment because I happen to be in that moment 
um, I was lucky enough to be friendly with a girl um, that lived on my block and her father, um, I don't want to talk too much about her personally, but her father, let's just say, um, invested, he was very wealthy and invested in a lot of, he was very smart in what he invested in. And he ended up investing in what would be Blockbuster. <laughs> he had his finger on the pulse. And she was she was the middle child of, I think they had like six kids or something insane. She had a lot of older brothers and sisters. And her father specifically invested in games, things that involved games and entertainment. So she, you know, we're playing one day. She's like, oh, there's this new show coming on. And it's going to be like movies about songs. And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is a movie about a song? Mind you, we're eight years old, I think, at the time. Sure. Eight or nine years old. And she's the one who told me about this. I'll just say her first name, Mary. Um, and I, I was intrigued the more she described it, horribly, of course, but because there wasn't a whole lot of reference to it, at least not for Americans. So I happened to be lucky enough to be at my grandparents because um, MTV launched on August 1st in 1981. If I had been at my parents' house, I would have never been able to watch it. Um, so we did a sleepover. And my grandmother let us stay up. And we had, uh, I think, I, I don't want to get this wrong, but I think it was a day or two days. Maybe it was more than that. When you turned the channel on on cable where MTV was going to be, it was, you know, fuzz. And then one day there was the Moon Man logo on the moon thing, you know, like that we all know is the iconic thing. Mm -hmm. And it was just sat there. And we would sit there and stare at it for hours because I guess kids did that back then. You know, like waiting, like so excited. Like, we're kids. Talk no, we were talking about what we thought it was going to be like. We were excited about it. We weren't staring at it fucking drooling. Mm. Anyway, fuck you. It was, a <laughs> it was a minute after midnight and it aired. And um, <clears throat> there was footage of um, the space shuttle Columbia and then the Apollo mission and the man on the moon. And then there was the flag and there was a voice that said, ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. Probably you guys should have done that. Um, <laughs> we were just like, oh, my God, because we had no, <laughs> we had no idea what was coming. Like today, when you watch the most exciting thing ever, you've seen previews that have explained everything, I feel like. But remember the days when you didn't know what was going to happen? And that was, like, so exciting. That's how we felt about this. Not only did we not know, but we didn't understand what was about to happen. Um, so MTV launched. The first video that ever played was Video Killed the Radio Star. Mm -hmm. The second video was Pat Benatar's You Better yep. Run. Now, funny thing is, the first video only played in parts of New Jersey and some places in New York, if you were in the boroughs, could get that signal because it was broadcasting from New York. I, I tried to read about how this works. My eyes got crossed. I was like, fuck it. Nobody cares. Whatever. I happened to be in New York. I was in Queens. I got to see it. I was lucky. Then I was sent to bed right away after that because I was tiny. Um, so the, so the, the concept of the show, it's very interesting. And I could have done a whole entire show about how MTV came to fruition. It was a very interesting story. But we're going to bypass all that and just say that um, videos had been made mostly in for British audiences for a very long time. And it was mostly just for internal factors. Um, 
But so MTV launches. It's a cable show. You had to have paid cable at the time to see it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the effect that this show had before even the majority of households in America actually had MTV, no less cable, was almost immediate on record sales. So record stores were selling out of the records that were getting that were not getting radio play, but were only getting play on MTV. What an incredible measurement. You've never heard this band on the radio. You saw their video. It was very crude at the time, would have been very rustic at the time. And you're running out to buy that record. The stores were not prepared and they did not have enough records. People were going there. I need this record. I don't have it. It was within months, record companies were like, oh my God, this is a thing, right? So, for example, bands like The Human League, Men at Work, Bow Wow Wow. (laughs) If you're from a certain area, you know all these bands. They were unknown at the time. No radio play whatsoever at the time. MTV broke them and their records were selling out. Um, MTV also sparked the second British wave. Because like I said previously, most British bands were already accustomed to having music videos. They were already being played on late night shows on British television. They were used internally for the music industry. So they were the f- some of the first ones to get the most airplay because they had readily ba- available videos. Ma- imagine you launch MTV and you don't have enough content, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have enough videos because it's not really <laughs> a thing yet so much. So, so you spark this huge second British wave. Um, and and interestingly enough, most of the American videos that were played initially, if you go back and you can find a lot of these videos on YouTube and you look at them, they are just promo videos. They are promo videos that the record labels have done. So they're hilarious. Not, not very well done at all. And you might think to yourself, and I did, I thought to myself, like, why are these videos so crap? Like looking back later. And then when I read about that, they were really just promo videos. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and initially MTV focused on hard rock. They were, it was, they were a rock station, hard rock, heavy metal, and then new wave stuff. That's what they were focusing on. That's what they believed was what is, was their channel. Um, and they often actually played live footage, which was interesting way early on of, um, large concerts and local concerts to New York. And interesting, I'm going to like every once in a while, I'm going to pop out just little interesting facts Kiss, who we hate here on Metal Rock and Whiskey, <laughs> just to be certain that we're explaining that, appeared without their makeup in public for the first time on MTV. And the reason no. I bring that up is... Unmasked. We, no We way. all know what a control freak Gene <laughs> And everyone is. turned their TVs off. Right? Like, who are these fucking barbos? <laughs> but we know that Gene Simmons is such a control freak, and I hate to say it, such a business genius that he must have understood what this medium was to do that on MTV for the first time when it was so new. Um, MTV also launched the VJ, what was what was called a the video what? jockey. <laughs> Not the VJ, Jacob. Relax. Get your mind out of the gutter. Um, so the radio jockey at the time, or the disc jockey, however you want to say it, was very popular at the time. Being a DJ was a thing. You would probably tune in, again, if you're born before all of this stuff, what we did, you couldn't hear all of the music you liked all the time. 
There wasn't really a rotation. You had to tune in to the certain hour or two that your favorite DJ hosted who was either into rock or country or metal or whatever the fuck it was. And you trusted his advice and he guided you through what you should be listening to. Well, that was very similar in what they did with the VJ. So the channel was playing just videos 24-7 in the beginning. And you were guided by those VJs. They were telling you, hey, in this upcoming hour, I'm the guy that's going to tell you all about rock. I'm the guy that's going to tell you all about light metal. And they had all these crazy categories. It was insane. But they would also, in the early days, have celebrities and musicians on that were guest VJs. And they would tell you about their favorite bands. And I don't know if they really were their favorite bands, but I totally believed them. There were people like Eddie Murphy, Adam Ant, Tina Turner. They were all guest DJs, or VJs, I should say. But Adam Ant. Adam Ant. <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> you shut up because I love Adam Ant obsessively. Um, so the original VJs on MTV became absolute celebrities. Adam Curry, Martha Quinn, mm-hmm. Downtown Julie Brown. Julie Downtown Julie Brown. Yeah, Tabitha Sorensen and Kurt Loder. How could you forget those names? Loder. If you re- <laughs> <laughs> Who are you tonight? Jesus. <laughs> anyway, some of these VJs, I should have you know, won fucking Emmys, by the way, because a lot of them actually reported on the news. We'll get into that. So in 1983, a very interesting and unique thing happened. The film Flashdance actually took out musical segments from the movie and gave it to MTV to use as music videos. And it aired in regular rotation. This was unheard of, totally strange, totally worked. Not what only, a feeling. Right? <laughs> I read Kara big hit the movie was a hit the singles off of the singles off of the album and then the soundtrack which was an early soundtrack was a total hit because of it also mtv is responsible for launching the 80s dance wave so Mm -hmm. as video budgets were increasing as labels and artists were realizing hey this is a medium we need to be involved in these videos were adding fully choreographed dance sections I mean, think of Madonna, think of, I mean, there's so many we could think of. Michael Michael Jackson. Jackson. Oh, yeah. I mean, and actually a ton, even a ton more than that when I looked into it. So that actually created, you know, you kind of had the drop off of the late 70s. Like, what what were you going to dance to? Like, I don't know. What's the name? If you could read, I don't know, fucking safety dance, whatever the fuck. No, I'm talking about, like, <laughs> I love safety. I'm talking dance. about like the folky shit. I love that song. I'm talking about the folky <laughs> shit in the seventies. But anyway, um, so by 1984, the recording industry was totally on board. Every artist had to have a video. It was mm-hmm. a requirement. They had yep. to do it. And right at this time, MTV actually changed, made a huge, important change to their formatting. So they had, I mentioned before, all these different categories. Okay, your band will only get played in light rock that's blah, 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 whatever the fuck. And there was like a half hour devoted to it or an hour. They were like, okay, fuck that. We're going to do light, medium, and heavy. Boom. The end. So that meant that a lot of bands that were unknown were getting a lot more airtime. It was supposed to be fair airtime. For all of the bands. That was their intention at the time. So MTV also became uh, groundbreakers in many other areas. One of the first other areas was safe sex. 
So they wanted to be ahead of the curve, and they spearheaded a safe sex initiative in 1985 in response to the AIDS crisis that were ha- that was happening. And this safe sex campaign still exists today. That was pretty unheard of at the time. No mainstream television program was going to be talking about sex, safe sex, oh, no. any kind of sex, AIDS, gay sex, whatever, was not happening. So that was huge for them. Um, they also broke, helped to break the color barrier um, on American television. And I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I wish we had time to cover this more fully. I hope everyone understands that I'm covering it in the best way that I can. It was a very rocky road. Um, it was done with, there was a lot of troubles in that. And we know that and I get it, but we're going to just leave it as a factual story. Yes. So Michael Jackson's video, Billie Jean, was said to have broken the color barrier finally in 1983 for MTV. Mind you, they had been playing music uh, videos since 1981, but black artists were not getting the rotation that they felt they deserved, that we, that I think they deserved, and that was fair. So it took several years for that to happen. Um, in the first few years of programming, it was a real problem, and it was actually brought up not only by artists, but by some executives. So Rick's, Rick James, <laughs> of all people, was Rick rejected. James. I'm Rick James, bitch. (laughs) Wait, can I just, I just want to tell you guys a sideline story. So when Rick James died, RIP, pour one out for our brother. I didn't know he was living. What? I was living in Boston at the time. It was like 2004 or five. Jesus. No No idea. Okay. Anyway. I'm Rick James, bitch. So I'm walking. Pretty much all. I'm walking to work and our local paper called The Phoenix had a huge front page, huge, and I will always respect them for this. It literally said, I'm dead, bitch, with this picture. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite awesome. moments in life looking at his Oh, favorite. my God. But anyway, I don't want to digress too much. <laughs> I'm dead, anyway, bitch. <laughs> so Super Freak was already a hit on the radio. So I just wanted to make a point about their struggle. Super Freak's a big hit on the radio. They rejected the video um, on MTV. So with the help of his friend, David Bowie, who you might know, I mean, little known artist, hmm. um, David, Bro- a bell. David, David Bowie a bell. was um, going to be interviewed on MTV shortly after Rick James had a discussion with him about it. And so he took that platform to question why there were so few black artists on rotation on MTV. So after that controversy with Rick James... Michael Jackson's Billie Jean aired. More black artists artists received heavy rotation, like Herbie Hancock, Prince, Donna Summer, Billy Ocean, Lionel Richie. Like, imagine that you have to push to have these artists. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, John Hancock. Right the fuck? It's Herbie. Surprised you didn't know that. <laughs> Jake anyway. is in Jake is in my head tonight. Look at the oh, exact God. same things as he Fuck is. You both. Fuck Tommy, you both. Tommy boy. Anyway, Tommy boy. Yep. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's a little bit about the beginning history of MTV. There's a lot more to it, but again, that's what we have time for. But now I'm going to start going down some rabbit holes that I feel are very important. And the reason why I chose these specific rabbit holes, because there were many. Friends, if you want to Google MTV, I challenge you. (laughs) I want you to time yourselves how long it will take you when you start clicking on all the different shows and all the different things and you realize, oh my God, huge. But let's go down our first rabbit hole because we've discussed this before on the show. Let's do it. The VMAs. In 1984, MTV hosted the first Video Music Awards. 
And guess who had a performance that went down in the history books on this first show? Can anybody remember or does anybody know? It was either, it was Madonna, right? I was, I was yeah. thinking Madonna was the first one that yeah. popped into my mind. Madonna right. was the it first was Ma- that popped in Madonna's my mind. Madonna's Like a Virgin video. She did something that now would be like, whatever, <laughs> but at the time was shocking. She was in a wedding dress that yeah. looked slutty. She was like rolling around on the stage going, ha, ha, ha. It was a big deal at the time. So Michael Jackson's I mean, Michael Jackson's famous moonwalk, that was not VMAs, right? Thought that was the VMAs too. Hang on, <laughs> no. we're not there yet. Just hold on, hold on. Oh, I'm okay. guessing you're gonna get to it, Sailor. So hold we'll on. leave it. Okay. Hold we'll on, leave hold it. On, hold on. We'll leave it. Because I thought that so, came before. <laughs> hold on. Okay, sorry. That was that was the Grammys. That was not him. But just oh, okay. hold on. So the Video Music Awards. Um, Cindy Lauper was a host. She did this like totally weird voice when she was explaining what the hell a VMA was. <laughs> um, but it was the ratings were off the charts for the first show ever. Okay, then uh, the fourth annual VMAs, Peter Gabriel won 10 awards in one night for his videos. I remember that night. Me too. And I'm going to say, looking back, he definitely deserved it, but there was not a lot of competition at the time. There was still not a lot of innovative, you know, purposely created videos at the time. So I'm curious... If other people had caught up at that point by the fourth annual VMAs, if he would have won that many, I don't know. In nineteen, 1980- he was definitely head of the curve. Oh yeah, sure. he always has been. In nineteen eighty-eight, Michael Jackson appeared for the first time on the VMAs, and then in nineteen eighty-nine, I will never ever forget this moment. Andrew Dice Clay, for oh, those of you goodness. who don't know, he was a comedian. <laughs> Andrew Silverstein? Yeah. He is a comedian. Who, yeah. No, he was. No, he was a comedian <laughs> who had short-lived... Uh. Mm, let me finish. Okay. Who had short-lived fame in the late 80s and early 90s. <laughs> he made a very memorable <laughs> moment... He was promoting his new movie, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, so they asked him to be an announcer. He received a lifetime ban from the network that night. A <laughs> lifetime ban. Because when he introduced Cher, who was still fucking and still is Cher, excuse me, with one of his famous nursery rhymes. It starts with, if you, do you guys remember? Go read <laughs> How does it finish, Ed? You tell me. What the rhymes with Doc? Sucked my pee. <laughs> Dude. Not only is that fucked up to do on air, but to share? I'm sorry. Fuck uh. you, dude. That's fucking rude as fuck. But anyway. <laughs> But that's what he was. I mean, that's what that's what he was. Dice Clay was. He was a shock, shock, shock comic. Still is. No, he's also a giant fucking (laughs) douchebag. But anyway, let's move on. He's a character. He played a character. He is a character. It's a cartoon character. Yeah, he played a character. Fuck him. The same. The same show. Guns N' Roses Izzy Stradlin was punched out by Vince Neil of Motley Crue, <laughs> which then led to a verbal battle between Axel oh, and Vince. I missed Vince. that one. I wish I would have mm-hmm. seen that. Yeah. 
And then in 1991, Brett Michaels and CC Deville of Poison mm-hmm. got into a fight backstage, and CC was fired after that. But at the same show, Paul Rubens, I love you, Pee Wee, made his first appearance <laughs> as Pee Wee on MTV. This was really? very, sh- yeah. Wow. This was very shortly after his arrest. Might I say his unjust arrest? <laughs> he walked on stage. In his pee, we get up to a standing fucking ovation. And you guys, guess what his opening line was? Hi, Cherry. No. (laughs) He said, heard any good jokes lately? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. Now that you say that, I remember that now. Yep. And. Hilarious. This is also the night of Prince's famous pants. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The assless pants. Yes, so I'm still, I'm still, yes. I'm still thinking of uh, I'm still thinking of uh, of Pee Wee dancing to tequila in a gray <laughs> suit with platform shoes. Dance, you know. So okay, Prince. Uh, I think it was Get Off that he performed to, and he had on his typical tight pants, but the butt cheeks were cut out of them. <laughs> yeah. So you can see the little butt cheeks. Well, this was all. This was such a big deal that it was parodied on In Living Color, Saturday Night Live. Like I could go on and on and on. Well, and Famous, even on MTV like, when Howard Stern. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He came out on that. Yep. Yeah. And then in 1992, Nirvana was asked to perform and play Teen Spirit, but they said also no. Teen Spirit. You know what I mean. But get, I have to, do I have to say all the... <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> Editor, I thought time was of the essence, and I think we all know what I'm talking about. But, but anyway. they, didn't, they didn't play that. <laughs> they wanted to play their new songs, like Rape Me and Tourette's. But the exec said, no, no, no. We want you to either play Teen Spirit or Lithium. Finally, the band agreed. <clears throat> kinda. <laughs> the band gets on stage, and Cobain starts playing Rape Me into the intro to the song and then he went into lin- lithium which i thought was fucking cool but he was at first like fuck you guys and apparently the faces of the execs were like white as a ghost but in the same show apparently backstage axel rose challenged cobain and his douchey wife who we will not name it to a fight he was like let's fight motherfuckers and they were like what the fuck and also at yeah. the end of the at the end of that performance, I believe the bassist threw his bass up in the air as high face. as he could, and he hit he his did. face, almost knocked him out cold. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl also ended the show. They like smashed all their instruments, and he was like, "Come on, Axel, you want to fight? You want to fight? Come out here, let's fight!" Yeah, that happened. <sighs> but also, back when rock stars were rock stars, rock stars. I put my money on the- Nirvana. Thank you. I'm trying to illustrate. So also, this is the year 1992. They rolled out a special award that year. And it was it was called the Video Vanguard Award. It recognizes music performers' accomplishments in music and film. It was renamed the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award in 1991 in honor of Jackson. And now can also be given to video directors, which I think is absolutely fair. So there's also a hell of a lot of live events that MTV started covering, which was very new. So they would cover giant concerts. They started covering Spring Break in Daytona Beach, Barf, and then concerts and festivals like Live Aid for Africa and New Year's Eve in Times Square every year. And then came the shows. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So... (laughs) 
1986, they premiered Dial-M-TV, where you could call a 1-800 number and request a video. This eventually turned into Most Wanted and then TRL, Total mm-hmm. Request Live. Yeah. I called in a video. My video made it once. <laughs> nice. Not because I called it in, though. Because if enough people called in for a certain video, that's how it would get on. Sure. So we would right, call. Yep. It would be a dial tone. You know, a I remember thing. calling. Rah, rah, rah. Oh, call yeah. again. Call again. Call, you had to call like a thousand times and say, I want to hear blah, blah, blah. Yep. Um, and then they changed it to like a number system. Remember at the end of it, it was like one through nine. So there was only nine videos you could choose from. I hated that. Anyway. Uh, for any for um, any of our millennial listeners, this was back when you called. This wasn't a text or a tweet. You actually had to call. No, it was a landline. Yes. You like dialed, you dialed a, a number. Dial a number. Mouth. You dialed a number. Some of us voice. had a rotary phone. <laughs> yes, yeah, a rotary phone. <laughs> yes. Um, the hated same anyone year, with a zero or a nine. Oh, I, I used to call from yeah, my Cowboys exactly. uh, helmet phone. <laughs> I had the red lip phone. <laughs> so Sports Illustrated year, football phone. Heck yeah, dude. <laughs> they debuted 120 Minutes. And it was a show that featured low rotation videos, things that were at the time considered underground or alternative. And then there was Headbangers Ball. Mm -hmm. Moment of epic silence. Woo! Headbangers Ball was the heavy metal show. Not only did they show metal videos, but they released heavy metal news and they did interviews with bands. And it was fucking awesome. And I learned about so, so many bands just because of Headbangers Ball. One of them I have mentioned before, which was Soundgarden. Thank you so much to Headbangers Ball for turning me on to so much awesome metal. I feel like um, Headbangers so Ball. About Skid Row. Headbangers Ball totally ripped off our podcast like 30 years ago. Oh, totally. Of us. It was bullshit. I guess she yes. bullshit. That's crazy. I know, right? <laughs> oh, God. But super cool also, the next. So in 1988, we got Yo MTV Raps. Yes. It was Heck a hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> slash rap formatted show it was super groundbreaking um viewership was huge at that point and many people believe which i would agree with that it really brought rap and hip-hop to the mainstream radio and heavy rotation because it was yep. not getting a lot of radio play if yep, any yep. at all for some of the these artists absolutely and i remember that i would come home from school and they there was a very smart timing because it was right when you came home from school that yo mtv raps came on and i was glued to the tv i remember learning first time i ever hold uh heard de la soul and tribe called yeah. quest and i was just i was hooked it was amazing well even at that um, point like i mean tupac and uh snoop and that's a little bit Dre. later yeah, i mean that was but, a little bit later but those were yeah, yeah i mean even i mean those were like underground. I mean, oh, totally. people don't realize those those were like underground rap Big artists yes. until they were featured on Yo MTV Raps, That's and at right. that mm-hmm. point, they became yep. mainstream. It, that was it was I mean, the, that it became was, the authority. It if really you got did. on Yo MTV Raps. Absolutely, it was did. cool to buy the record. It was gonna get on the radio after. Um, abs- absolutely. So so well, Yo for, MTV Raps is groundbreaking for sure. For somebody like me, that you know, I I grew up in a fairly rural you know, area and, and the, the town that I grew up in was a, a small little town in Michigan. We didn't, you know, nobody talked about hip hop or rap. It was all country and Southern rock and rock and everything else. And, and, you know, MTV raps was really what exposed, you know, people in, in my neck of the woods, so to speak, to a different style of music. And yes. I became a fan of, of hip hop through that. So, I mean, yes. I, Absolutely, so important and so groundbreaking. I think my story so is reasons. connected to a lot of people's stories nationwide. 
Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I grew up with a mm-hmm. lot of diversity, so I was a little bit exposed to that stuff. But for example, at the time, I mean, I'm on the East Coast, Matt, we were both on the East Coast. I was not exposed to West Coast underground rap. How the fuck would I hear that? No, you know, no. it was only through MTV raps. It was so it was absolutely crucial yeah. to opening yourself up to different music. Um, and interestingly, well, and even, in- sorry, real, real quick, even just to, you know, I'm, I'm a Michigan, Michigan Homer here, and uh, you know one of the most popular rap artists of of my generation, Eminem, also has has talked about in, at different times about his, you know, his love for that, you know, that that Yo MTV raps culture, and yeah. and I mean, how how go figure, you know, you're Eminem, who's just like a year or two older than I am, I think, and. Uh, you know, you're in Michigan. He's in obviously in Metro Detroit area, and and he's listening to Dr. Dre come up with, you know, NWA, and then branching off into Solar Career, and now he's a business partner of Dr. Dre. Right, exactly. You know, owning exactly. a production and recording company. That's crazy. Yeah, super fascinating. <laughs> um, so the year after that, MTV Unplugged came onto the scene. So that was a show that was oh, dedicated yeah. to oh. just acoustic music. Love it. And interestingly enough, <clears throat> interestingly enough, um, it actually opened up a whole other genre for music, which some people can say was the downfall of MTV. It, it's very controversial, but um, it opened up a lot of rock and heavy artists to being able, being interested in playing their music in a different way. And then acoustic artists actually getting rotation because these larger artists, more well-known artists that were getting so much heavy rotation were playing unplugged. So it was a really big deal at the time in music. Um, there, there were not a lot of, unless you lived in a metro area where you could go and see like coffee house music or whatever you know to to listen to unplugged music from artists that would normally play heavy music it was just unheard of so that was also very very groundbreaking greatest Um, i'm gonna go on a limb greatest unplugged mtv unplugged album nirvana nirvana yeah nirvana thinking that and not not only is it the 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 best of the unplugged albums but to me i'll even go out on a separate limb that's my favorite nirvana album I think well, that, they. That is I him. Think they favorite, did. I, I think him, the, the yeah. The that's fact him at that his absolute absolute best. That's him at his absolute I, best. I just yeah. I felt like yeah. you know it's one thing if you. I, I think some of the other bands that came on, uh, they just kind of did, or even not just on that album, not just on MPV Unplugged, but a lot of bands they when they would do like an acoustic set, they would just do their same exact song. For sure. Just with yeah. acoustic. Whereas right. Nirvana, I mean, Kirk Bay, you know, those guys, they, they changed up the entire format of the song. But that was actually what MTV <laughs> had requested, which was really it interesting. Was is they brilliant. had said, we want to hear, we don't just want to hear you playing it unplugged, <clears throat> yeah. even though it's called MTV Unplugged. Uh, we want I love you that show. To, to, we want you to do something a little bit different. If you have different, <laughs> they allowed them to play songs that weren't on heavy rotation, which was a big deal. So it was really um, a lot of forethought. And again, I didn't have time to talk about all the producers. But this is really, there's a producer that is responsible for this, that had this vision, had this idea um, after being in New York City and going to a lot of, at the time, you know, in the late 80s and early 90s, coffee houses were the thing, going to Mm -hmm. these small clubs and bands where they couldn't plug in for several reasons. 
you know, um, so, so it's a, it's a real, um, I think we need to give some credit to the producers here of the show for, for offering the, having this vision and then getting the musicians on board. Um, but I'm going to pause here. We're going to get into the ending of MTV as far as we're all concerned. <laughs> then we're going to talk about our favorite shows. I have a feeling Ooh. we're all going to agree um, oh. on the shows that replace the music. It's going to—it's a sad moment that there were shows that replaced the music, but some of the shows we're going to talk about, um, you know, we love them all. So, but I got to pee. I'm going to pee my pants. Of course. Take a break here. It's, it's pee time. As per usual. Per usual. So. We're going to pause. We'll be right back. All right. We are back. <sighs> Feels so much better. Try pants right. and all. Un- <laughs> un- <laughs> unfortunately, now... I'm going to talk about, it's going to be kind of a bummer, but I'll pick it up at the end. So just bear with me, listeners. Just trust me in this. So we're going to talk about pop for a minute. Wah, wah, wah. Like soda so, pop? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> like pop Like crap. Coca-Cola? Aww. It has its place. Oh. Pop crap. <laughs> like so, Spice Girls? Interesting you should say that. Michael Jackson? Yeah. So, hey. <laughs> Ricky yeah. Martin? Hey, all right. Anyway, so in 1997, MTV began shifting its programming to pop and started to move away from rock. They were focusing more on popular music, music and electronica. Mm -hmm. Electronica. I don't like that word. Electronica. Ugh, it sounds gross. Anyway. Prodigy. This is the the period where, hey, I actually like that. Prodigy's okay. This is. I, yeah, this is the period where I, it's Brittany, all good. It's all good in its place. It's all great in its for place. Some, this is the period where Britney and Christina were dominating <laughs> mm-hmm. the MTV waves. MTV believed at the time that rock was dead because they got fucking stupid. <laughs> okay, gotcha. You go. Yes, yeah. this was literally their philosophy. So they completely started moving away from rock and started uh-huh. focusing heavily on rap videos. Actually, even less hip hop. <laughs> mm-hmm. They were doing total pop. A lot of electronica and act- and rap, and some of it they were even doing hardcore rap for a minute, which was a really oh, weird. I remember time this really where it was like it seemed like it was more rap than anything else. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. TV. Yep. yep, yep. But of course, by the early two thousands, you had this huge explosion in rock music again, which was new metal and hardcore ish. I'm going to say bands that were becoming mainstream, like Corn, Creed. Ugh, Rob Zombie, <laughs> System of a Down, etc. We're getting huge radio play, but not a lot of MTV play. What the fuck? So for yeah. the first time, MTV was having to catch up with the radio. That's when everyone should have been fucking fired, in my opinion. But anyway. It's so weird how that how that flip-flop like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So you know what their answer was? They said, let's launch a channel called MTVX. And you have to pay for it extra. And it's going to play just all rock videos. Guess how long that shit lasted? It's like a year, right? Something. Two years. (laughs) Two years, yeah. Because fuck that shit. They kind of did that with MTV2 also. Well, that was a whole other thing. So then they tried to correct the situation (laughs) with a single show called (laughs) The Return of Rock. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but it didn't. Let's just put all that shit in one show. As if it, you know, as if it, as if it ever actually left. Yeah, yeah. But so at the point where okay, so now I'm going to merge to the next two this this topic and the next topic. So at the point where they they created this show, Return to Rock, and MTV Two was failing and it was all like falling apart. What was happening was the majority of their programming were shows. Okay, so. Mm-hmm. They in by 1997. Back up for a second. They were being heavily criticized for the low amount of actual music videos that they were playing, and instead <laughs> they were playing reality shows. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give some. I want to pay some homage to one show, and then we'll talk about the rest of them. Um, the Real World. The Real World at the mm-hmm. time was absolutely groundbreaking. Um, and it did a lot of things. And I actually spent some time this week watching. <laughs> Oprah of all people did some where are they now of actually the first two first season and second season people who were on the real world and it was really fascinating for them they were it was about 20 years later for them to talk about their experiences and to do a look back and how groundbreaking it really was um and we all you know know that uh so in Sailor. season 1 Yes. Can we? I just want to clarify something really quick to our young anyone, the younger listeners, twenty one <laughs> to twenty five, maybe that on TV <laughs> used to have music videos. Good job. <laughs> but the real world, now, we take reality television for granted now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But in the U.S., I'm not sure when Big Brother started, but in the U.S., the real world was really like the first what we would. This was he, yeah, it, it was, was a big deal. Huge. It was a big deal. Yeah. Well, there was the first reality oh, show in the goodness. 1970s. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it. So so sad story about a real family. But yes, this was the first created reality show. Like yeah. I said, it was absolutely it was groundbreaking. Yeah. I, I would say the real was, world was the first reality show for you know people of that age of yes, of younger like people. a yes. of yeah, yeah. young. Yes. Like For eighteen sure. to twenty five, eighteen to thirty, I guess maybe. Mm-hmm. I think the demographic was, maybe was the like market? fifteen to thirty five, <clears throat> something like that. Typically, I was just gonna um, say eighteen, just for a safe spot for the. No, it, it was younger than that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was I was much younger and I was watching it, but I was just for the right. safety. But of what was groundbreaking? Who probably should have been watching it. <laughs> that I, that I was gonna get into was that they took people from different walks of life that we were not accustomed to seeing mm-hmm. together in one show, like a black woman, a yeah. gay man, yep. um, a, a woman who was from the South, and she had a su- you know a su- or I don't remember if she was midwest or south her she had you know a heavy accent and then Mm -hmm. you know an affluent male Mm -hmm. model and how would these people come together what would happen if you put them together um without knowing each other and then in season two became even more groundbreaking because uh, you know mtv never shied away from the discussion of aids like like i discussed way in the beginning um their safe sex campaign they had one of the men on the show was gay and he had aids sadly and he ended up passing away from the disease and all of his um it it was a really big deal at the time because not everyone in the house was supportive of it and okay with it and they were very Uh afraid of it because at the time it was a very scary unknown thing oh yeah it changed a lot of minds there there have been if you guys want to google um pedro zamora um he his legacy will i think live on for i hope forever for a very Uh long time um he really set the stage to be able to be comfortable and to be and to talk about it he had a spouse you know who sadly we we watched his spouse 
um, mourn his death, and and it, it was a horrible thing. But a lot of the people in the house were not okay with it in the beginning, mm-hmm. and and then learned to love him and to accept him and be okay with it. And it was a very very groundbreaking thing that they continued to follow Pedro's story. And we watched his funeral happen live on MTV, and um, we watched his family get interviewed, and you know how the rest of the house felt about it. And of course, the real world went on to have many other seasons after that. And in my opinion it got it got very contrite and very ridiculous and very produced um and uh i became disinterested in it but in the beginning it was just it was very real and it was very raw and it was a really good moment i think in television that it was just so real like hey we're just people we don't know what this is going to ha- you know now people know oh i'm going to be on a reality show i know exactly how yeah. this format works yeah, i mean it wasn't down, really and i've auditioned it, for it it wasn't it was super, really a reality it was super show intriguing yeah. at first it, i mean it wasn't really what you would call i don't even know if the coin the term had been coined yet it was more of a it was right. more of a uh, it was more of a televised social experiment going back to what you said before reality exactly. show. it was a true yeah, we, yeah. i mean yeah, it was, so it was a get all these different people show. in a house and see what happens Nowadays, interesting. you, you look at the uh, you look at the credits for a reality show, and when there's you know three producers and twelve writers, that's not right. a reality exactly. show. It's not a reality you shouldn't have show, any yeah. writers. <laughs> I know. Should be no fucking writers on a <laughs> no. reality show. Which, exactly. Which, yeah. which exactly. Which beyond beyond the uh, the line that we're not going to cross of shows that MTV has done since ha- that's the shows they do now is that yeah. there's twelve writers and three yes. producers, and it's just yes. a bunch of. Yes. You know, it's yeah. just a bunch of garbage. But at the time, <laughs> but, you were putting. But at that you, time, you ha- it was and, groundbreaking. And that, it was groundbreaking. And, and absolutely, and sadly, though, at that time, because this wasn't that long ago, and I and I, I kind of felt my stomach churn a little bit when I was researching the real world. God, putting people of different races together was still a big deal. To live together in a house, yeah. having oh, yeah. having I mean, a yeah. having a black a black woman who spoke up and used her voice as she should, um, and different was, was sexual orientation. Having a gay man I mean, on the show, oh my yes. goodness! And this was not that long ago, you know. I mean, I'm not that old. I'm like in my 80s. <laughs> Sadly, I look at it and I go, "Shit, wow, that was my lifetime." You know, yeah. and we had we still had so far to go. And well, we've progressed as a, as a society since absolutely. then. And that's fantastic. Absolutely, and we need things like that. And I look at it now and I go, "Well, we still have a long way to go, but at least we've." progress since then close that gap we still have a lot of work to do a lot of work to do but at least you know not at least that happened Mm -hmm. lots of work still to do but i love that music i think my point is because our show is about music music helped to make that happen even though it wasn't a music focused show it was on a music focused channel so um that we were all watching the channel because we were interested in music and we watched the show and gave it a chance Mm -hmm. because we were interested in music so um that's the the little bit i'm gonna give about the real world and i'm just gonna touch really quick before we get into the discussion (laughs) which we will i'm gonna name a few shows so those of you that may have forgotten or those of you i that i know here's a funny thing for the millennials out there know these shows but may not know they originated on MTV because yep. when I researched how many shows originated on MTV and were on MTV for years and they got picked up by other cable channels, my my mind was blown. I was like, what? For example, so Jon Stewart had his yeah. first show on <laughs> yep. MTV. Yep. <laughs> um, 
Funny story, my roommate at the time worked for uh, a place that I, in the village of New York City, and um, there was a, it was a, I don't want to give away too much information, it was a comedy, part of the place was a comedy uh, club, and it was the 90s, and um, there were several up-and-coming artists that were still doing stand-up in this, and she, uh, I would hang out with her after we would get off work. We'd go have drinks together. And some of the guys from the club would come out with us. And one of them was Jon Stewart and David Attell. And um, oh, David Attell. <laughs> David Attell, please. <laughs> His so show. I, Man, I so love that show. I remember when Jon Stewart's show got canceled. He walked into the club. His roommate, was this a room? He was either his best friend or his roommate was hanging out the there was a bunch of girls that worked at the comedy club and we were all like waiting with bated breath it was the show gonna get canceled it did get canceled and he thought his life was over and um I think that's really I mean I think it's really funny now that um I got to see a snapshot of that which is very interesting. He was literally put his head down on the table he was wearing a baseball cap he was like I'm done my career's over I'm fucked of course it's John Stewart of course his career wasn't over but he got his start on MTV. We also had Loveline. Does anybody remember Loveline? Oh, yeah. Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. Dr. Drew and Adam. Hell, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Matt, do you remember where Loveline originated? Because that show did not originate on MTV. That was a radio show, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it was. It was a New York radio show. Show, I think it was on Y100, right? (laughs) I think it was Y100. But it was still Dr. Drew, right, on the radio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was his show. But it was was Dr. Ruth first. Now you okay. got to be really old to pick Ruth up one of the throwing down. <clears throat> yes, Doxel Ruth. Um, and then it was Dr. Drew and what's her head? Dr. Judy, Trudy, what's her name? She was on it with remember. him first. And then, I just remember Dr. Drew. <laughs> then, well, yeah, then he did the show on MTV. Well, Adam's, Adam's, Adam Carolla's projection to that show was was on the opposite side. He, well, he right. was on the opposite side of the country for one. Yes. Because he yes. came, he actually came up. Uh, um, Jimmy Kimmel was like a uh, um, an assistant producer on a radio show, local radio show in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. and Adam Carolla just started kind of calling in, you know, just joking around, being mm-hmm. like a a jokester on a radio show, and they kind of like first asked him to just keep calling, like you're funny, <laughs> just keep calling our show, <laughs> and then eventually uh, he got into talks with Jimmy Kimmel, who was part of that radio show and uh adam carolla had been a boxer and they wanted to do this like promo or jimmy kimmel would box somebody and <laughs> so adam carolla trained jimmy kimmel and it became this whole thing and and so then adam carolla got like a little bit of kind of fame of you know that and kind of his opinions and whatever and he was kind of the um you know, the the opposite of Dr. Drew, and that's yes. how they kind of connected to do the show with MTV. Once the MTV decided they wanted to pick up that show with Dr. Drew, they were like, you know, I think they saw Dr. Drew as, you know, this he kind of... Little, he was a little dry. Yeah. He was a little this dry. This dry, soft-spoken and at the time, doctor, the dr- and he, they right, needed somebody right. to kind of, like, spice Be him up a little. Spice him up, yeah. yeah. And it was perfect. And at the time, it was perfect. 
at the time, the Jerky Boys were very popular. Yep. Oh my gosh. You, the if jerky you, boys. <laughs> I was gonna say, I hope everybody this knows who they are. As a Saul New Yorker, Rosenberg. Yeah. I I'm need Joey my bag of donuts. I got my toolbox. I got these um, so the guys jerky- up for cleaning their mopping buckets Amazing. on my they roof were- and slapping each other with the <laughs> hot mops and everything. I punched one of them right onto the driveway. <laughs> so, the, so they were looking for a jerky boy type love jerky to be boys. Dr. Drew's sidekick. And that's at, they definitely chose Adam Carolla. He did perfect. But the you funny thing is. You could never do jerky as, boys nowadays. <laughs> so the funny thing was, is that. you could do it. Uh-huh. The love line actually did a lot of groundbreaking stuff too. They talked about STDs. Oh yeah. They yeah. talked about sex positions. They talked they talked about things that was not comfortable to talk about. No holds that was bar. not rem- Oh yeah, totally. They would talk about anything. I just remember it was, it was okay. on eleven o'clock at night. It was eleven PM. Yes, yeah, no, yeah, it was sure. very late. Very late. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes. But it made it okay to talk about it. sex. It was like, hey, sure. we because yes, Adam Carolla would poke fun, he would say inappropriate <laughs> shit. But mm-hmm. in the and Dr. Drew was like, hey, sex is normal. Everybody does it. It's okay. Just be safe. You're not weird. You're not fucked up. Sex is okay. Because Americans still have a puritanical view of sex. And it was so important and so healthy for teenagers especially that were listening to it and calling They're back in and forth. And They're back answers. and forth made it comfortable mm-hmm. for, pe- exactly. uh, for other people to kind of be like, because here's the thing. Because they were on two, like, just opposite sides of the spectrum oh, yeah. from personality-wise. Oh, yeah. It made you feel comfortable to fall anywhere in between the two of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you could be jokey about it. You get super <laughs> serious about it. And it just worked. So, yeah. Love Line again. Groundbreaking show on MTV. Now, we're going to move on to... I- I've got several here. We're going to move on to Jackass. <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> if you don't know Jackass, <laughs> that I don't launched know, the whole franchise. Yeah, um, Jackass. I'm, I don't want to talk too much about it because it has been. Rifled I, I have to say something about Jackass when it comes since? to it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, <clears throat> so I, I think I've I've, I've mentioned uh, a few times on this show, you know, that my my parents were very conservative and my dad was a general motors employee for 40 years and uh <clears throat> and MTV was a channel that was not allowed to be watched in our house which basically meant that we had to watch it before my parents got home <laughs> because it was part of our cable package so we had it we just we just had to pretend like we never watched it yeah <laughs> basically that's how that went <clears throat> well i was I mean, I was an an adult by the time Jackass came around, or at least close to it. I think I was probably yeah. 17, 18 years old. Well, <clears throat> again, MTV was a no-no in our house. It was always banned. 100% banned network. Ab- no, no exceptions. <clears throat> I remember one day after dinner, we're in the living room, and my dad puts it on MTV, and he's like, hey... You gotta watch this show. These guys at the shop. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> these guys at the shop keep talking about this show called Jackass, <laughs> and I watched it. My this is my dad. My dad's saying I watched it the other night. The things I watched it the other night, and it's good. You gotta watch this. <laughs> Phenomenal. Oh, my dad. Meanwhile, you've been. Wa- meanwhile, you had been watching no, it, right? Actually, On the DL? I, actually, no. no. 
No, oh, this was okay. this was like okay. this was like because this was on after he got home from work, right? Well, <laughs> so no, this my dad my dad was like right in the beginning, so I had not even Amazing. caught wind of it yet. That's awesome! And oh, wow. So my dad was curve. showing me. Yeah, my dad was actually ahead of the curve on Jackass, and he loved it. And this was like. <laughs> My dad showed me, we watched like episode two together. Like my dad was like, all these guys in the shop are talking about this show. You got to watch. We got to watch it. And and it was like, they were like on a bike, like bunny hopping down these multi-tier fountains and wiping out. I mean, it was just, it was so funny. I mean, we were just, it was everything that we would find hilarious. And we yeah. completely bonded through Jackass. Hey, this it was show. That's awesome. It's it a household name, man. Oh, my god! The gosh. show. Yeah. And and moving forward, I doubt we're going to talk about this. But another show that really got its its niche from Jackass was Ridiculousness. Yes. Which is another yeah. show that my wife and I and even my daughter, we still watch to this day and that's just crack on, yeah. up. Yeah, we watch reruns yeah. of it or anything. I mean, that's like. It's just so great. I love that stuff. I love watching people wipe out. Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. You know, when I was dating, <laughs> yeah. When I was dating, sorry. When I was dating my wife, and you know, we go out drinking Saturday night, and we get blitzed and mm. be hungover Sunday morning. Yes. And what was playing on MTV? Yes, that's exactly it. For like eight hours on Sunday, it was ridiculousness, yes. and there was nothing yes. better than having that's a hangover, we ordering some breakfast sandwiches, yes. and watching yeah. ridiculousness. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you yeah. would, yep. you would, we would put that on our TV. My wife and I, before my daughter was born, like we would, you know, when that Sunday morning, we'd just the TV in our bedroom, we'd put yep. on the marathon of ridiculousness and just hang out yep. in bed on a Sunday yep. and just watch that and just mellow out. Can't beat it. <laughs> the funny thing when I first saw Jackass was, um, I and one of one of my friends from this from uh elementary school and middle school listens to the show so she's gonna know exactly what i'm talking about but we had a group of friends on our block that were basically jackass before there was jackass <laughs> and a jackass wasn't a new concept it's just that somebody filmed, filmed it, it. Yeah, and right. they did you yeah. know oh, what yeah, I mean? me and my friends yeah, yeah. me and my friends did that exactly like we we had we had some pretty epic egg wars and balloon wars where people would draw out like like intricate like battle plans and you know it was like it was serious shit with like a rival school and yeah. like i grew up i grew up with a lot of boys on the block and you know the stupid shit they would do us girls would just watch them and laugh our asses off <laughs> and had we had i been born 20 years later i would have been videoing their dumb asses and posting it on youtube or whatever oh you know, yeah they just i did stupid i think shit. that's like, why my dad knew that i would yeah. like it is i i lived i am a jackass that's like we know this. that's the life that i lived i did stupid shit all the time for a laugh and i think that's See, why my dad knew that i would love that show and i always i always had friends that did stupid shit and i always i was always the one that would be like all right we're gonna have to take him to the hospital or i better make sure this or whatever i was always like the grandma on the scene you know i'm your friend i'm your friend that you I know, would have taken to the hospital i know i have had I so many broken bones i can't we even tell did, you so we witnessed <laughs> shopping cart i was in my 20s when the, oh i think in my 30s in boston this dumb friend of mine we they had like shopping cart battles oh, but yes. i'll never forget i mean this is the most inappropriate thing i've probably ever bicycle said on show, joust and i don't care but 
So, like, my stupid roommates one night were like, hey, have you ever heard about spooning your balls? And I was like, you guys, I don't think this is a good idea. I really don't think somebody heard about that this would be funny to see how long you could hold a frozen spoon up against your balls. And I was like, I don't have balls. And I'm telling you, I think this is bad news. I don't think you guys should do this. But because it's, it's like me. It's like saying don't do it. I, I, was, I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to, it was before cell phones and shit, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to write down everybody's names and I'm going to clock everyone's times and we're going to see who can do it the longest because they were going to do it. I told them not to. They didn't listen. I'm like, I think you guys are going to get sick after this. Nobody wanted to listen to me. Fine. Whatever. I lived with a bunch of dudes. So they all decided to spoon their goddamn balls. Everyone got the flu like two days later. They all flipped out. One of them what? almost like ripped his balls off. I was like, see, I told you. The Nobody flu. listens to me. The flu. Getting the flu. <laughs> so what was the best time? I got sick. So the best time was like three and a half minutes. You'll catch a chill. Exactly. But so when I first saw Jackass, I was like, oh. I get the premise of this show. These are my fucking <laughs> friends, these idiots. So, so I'm before, watch these idiots. I think I can. Everybody I knows that time. somebody <laughs> like that. Before right, exactly. before Jackass, these are the kind of stuff that me and my friends used to do. So we had dirt we had dirt bikes, like, you know, oh, 100, yeah. 125. Uh, BMX bikes. No, no, no. No, Ed. We had 125cc motorcycles. Oh, you're talking actual motorcycles. <laughs> dirt bikes. Yeah. Actual, uh, actual dirt, dirt bikes. Yeah. And oh, <laughs> we had a buddy of mine. That uh, his mom was like a clothing designer for uh, like shopping stores, so she had all these mannequins in her in the pole barn, and we used to take her mannequins and strap them to our backs like they were like they were riding behind us on our dirt bikes, and you would take and while you were riding your dirt bike, we would play tag. <laughs> But this is how we would play tag, is you'd be riding your dirt bike, and there would be, so there'd be a few people riding the dirt bikes with the mannequins on their backs, and then there would be a couple of people on dirt bikes with uh, with bottle rockets. <laughs> and the people with the bottle, you would shoot the bottle rockets at the people with the mannequins. <laughs> And this was before Jackass ever aired. This is the kind of oh, stupid man. stuff that we used to do. And I don't know if we're going to talk about Tom Green at all, but I've got uh, some Tom Green. Oh, hang, hang on. we're going to get there. Tom so let's move on to the next one. That's on my list. That's on my list too. Let's just all agree that like Jackass, <laughs> they're the, they were just the first ones to film it well and get picked up. But every, I mean, we all grew up with this. Um, yep, yep. All right, let's touch briefly on the Osbournes. So, um, Ozzy Osbourne, by the time, by the time the show The Osbournes hit, he was actually pretty unknown yeah. for an entire generation of not only music lovers, but metal lovers. He was considered sure. to be an old dude from classic rock. Uh-huh. He was not of the mainstream. He was not relevant. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then The Osbournes hit. And boom, all of a sudden, Ozzy was a house. Not he was okay. So, and I can speak to this personally because I've been an Ozzy fan. And if anyone has listened to one of our first few shows where I talk about Ozzy, I've been an Ozzy fan since like Tiny Girl, totally obsessed. (laughs) Tiny Girl, and he was considered 
like bad. My mom wouldn't let me listen to him. She would throw my tapes away. I would buy new tapes. She'd find those and throw them away too. I would have to like hide them and pretend uh-huh. they were Debbie Gibson tapes. And then all of a sudden, the president of the fucking United States is inviting Ozzy Osbourne and his family to a White House dinner. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? Where was this when I was a kid? Jesus. So the Osbournes, um, they were a huge, important, groundbreaking show that got it started on MTV. Then there was, are you guys ready? Let's hear it. Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I love Ren and Stimpy. I don't know about you guys, oh, but since I don't ever plan on being president, I will admit that I, in college, I would get high as shit mm-hmm. and just watch Ren and Stimpy. Heck's and yeah. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but I would laugh my ass off. I love you idiot. Wait a second. That wasn't that didn't start on MTV though. That was Nickelodeon. Yes, Ren and Stimpy did. started on MTV and Ren then it and moved over to and then moved to Nickelodeon. Fox. Yes. This is why I'm saying a lot of these shows it will blow your brains out. It was like TV, it moved like TBS or something. Didn't no, it, it was like wasn't it was like Nickelodeon. It was like the kids. No, it was MTV first. MTV first. Okay. I thought it was the other way around. Okay. No, it was the N A on Flux. Daria, and then of course, let's. Daria. We're gonna have to yeah. give a big chunk. Are you guys ready? Are you oh, ready? I know what this is. Ready? I know what's coming. I know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and before and you guys, butthead. before you guys interject, <laughs> I let me say my piece. Oh, I need Wait a minute. Let me say my piece before <laughs> we get into this because oh, I just want to say so. We mentioned this on our Danzig show. We talked about how Beavis and Butthead were were responsible for bringing Danzig and the Misfits, for revitalizing his career. No joke. They actually did that to a lot of bands. Hold on. Before we do that, these are my three (laughs) favorite quotes. Ready? Mm. One is, sit your ass down, Lars. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking kills me. Another one. Does this Pantera guy ever relax? Yeah, this guy's dad must have kicked his ass a lot when he was a kid. <laughs> I got just got paid to take a dump. Those are my favorite. So for those of you that may not know who Beavis and Butthead are, they are two idiot, dumb, motherfucking dumbasses. Cartoon characters. Or are yeah. they? <laughs> hey, wait a minute. You two look kind of familiar. Ain't you them kids that have been whacking off in my tool shed? <laughs> but I will exactly. <laughs> and they would, in the beginning of the show, they would just watch videos and make commentary. And if you are a fan of Mystery Science Theater, like MST3K, if you're a fan, it was that was the cartoon version of MST3K. They would watch yeah. videos, they would comment, they would yep, overdub, right. and their comments were fucking ho- stupid, <laughs> but hilarious. Like <laughs> 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 but what they did, strangely, and nobody, everybody who's ever, the producers of the show, what's his face, Mike Judge, no one is set out to actually revive careers. But they ended up, these two dumbasses, parodying, making fun of these videos, revived entire bands' careers. Completely. There's like an entire list yeah. of them. So how do you talk about MTV without talking about Beavis and Button? By the way, I'm not ashamed to admit, at the time when I had checked out of MTV, I wasn't, because they were playing, like I said, 
less videos, I tuned into Beavis and Butthead. I was actually finding out at, about music from Beavis and Butthead. At least and at this time, they still dumb, were playing videos. I mean, a little they, bit. They not had the lot, other though. shows. They had Real World. They had but Beavis. But it was not a lot. It but was they not were a still lot. at least, they had, I mean, Not a lot. Very few. Well, very but this few. Was, this very was few. right before they tried to revive the whole, I mean, they. I'm sure we're going to get to it where they... They really took on complaints at this point, where they weren't playing enough <laughs> well, videos, and yeah. and and what yeah, show what show that, came though. out of it. But this is post that actually, so they were not playing. Well, a lot Beavis of came before TRL. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, but the point is that by the time Beavis and Butthead came out, the decrease in videos was pretty significant at the time. <clears throat> yeah, well, so for a sure. Lot of, Absolutely. A lot of people that actually watched Beavis and Butthead were finding out about bands because they were playing videos, and this yeah. is hilariously, that were not getting a lot of play. They were the absolute. They were playing really obscure videos. Yes, exactly. I mean, obscure compared to exactly. the pop videos. That's how videos. people found out about Danzig. There's so many people that can be like, I learned about Danzig from Beavis and Butthead. Well, remember, I'm ashamed remember to say their shirts? Like, Don't be ashamed. Remember the <laughs> shirts? Yes. Just the yep. t-shirts that Beavis and Butthead would wear would be, yes. you know... Like you know, AC, metal DC bands. Yeah. Yes, all the yes. time. And then and they their would... friend Stu or whoever who loved Warren, what was yeah. they would call him and prank him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but his, I think one of the first, it was an early show where they're watching a Metallica video and he goes, sit your ass down, down Mars. Mars. I was like, done. I was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> who are these guys? Uh. I love them. <laughs> I mean, uh, so Beavis and Butthead <laughs> actually ended up becoming an iconic show of MTV. And strangely, this is where I'm going to leave off on the timeline. Because this is like, to me, it's the guts, it's the meat and bones yep. of what MTV means for us as the Metal Rock and Whiskey show. <laughs> I would agree. I would and you agree can draw completely. a very, very direct line right there in the sand. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because you, I mean, you had an MTV at this point. You know, as we just were discussing, were yes, the the amount of videos they were playing in in the in the main time slots had drastically decreased. Mm-hmm. You know, they had their TV shows. It, it, it had transitioned to a point now, now in our timeline, where it was shows with with music videos. Where prior to this, it had been music videos with some shows. A sprinkled in show. <laughs> Mostly sprinkled in. And that's the one thing that I did. But it was discuss. but even the shows, even the shows at that point, the shows were about the videos and about yes. the music. Yeah. And then it Very started transitioning into it transitioned into like <clears throat> it was like putting the fans of the videos in the forefront. Right. Whether a cartoon or human. It was, that's what it was. You know, the, the real world people, they were fans of the videos. They were fans of the music. And it was their lives. And the Beavis and Butthead, they were, you know, cartoon character fans of music. Yes. Yeah. So there was kind of that, that, that dynamic going on there. But it, as soon as they crossed that line, there was a very specific, like you said, Matt, there was a very specific yeah. line right yeah. here. Right yeah. here in this point in time. Yeah. Where well, MTV they were changed. Parodying yeah. that they weren't, so they were parodying that they weren't playing videos anymore on MTV, but they were also 
paying homage to the watchers. The one thing that I just want to bring up very quickly before we continue talking is I want to bring up MTV news because MTV news was absolutely so (laughs) a lot. So, um, MTV News has won several (laughs) Emmys and several awards, news awards having nothing to do with music videos or anything for breaking incredible news. So imagine that you don't have a YouTube, you don't have a cell phone, you don't have access to news that's outside of your immediate area. You you don't have CNN yet. You have All the you World have News the Tonight. <laughs> you have the radio and World News Tonight that would cover yep. featured stories. But how the featured fuck stories. do you find out about things that are re- mm-hmm. but of that are relevant to you as a teenager, as a kid, as a t- young twenties, as a and young a fan person, of music? What at, at that and point a fan of it music. was only yeah. the like the magazines, the magazines, the rock yeah, magazines. Well, and, and, and what right. you've brought up, whatever. what what you've brought up before, Sailor with. Uh, you know the certain uh, very specific the zines, as you call them, the zines with the tape the z- trading yeah. and that kind zines of stuff. Was it was, yes, it, was so, it was so. It was very important. So, but also, like, finding niche. out about finding out about what kids your age were struggling with because they began to move past music news, and they would talk about. I don't know if you guys remember, Jake and Matt, you might be a little too young, but Ed, you and I were there when the Tiananmen Square massacre happened. And I call it a massacre because that's exactly what it was. It was absolutely a massacre. And MTV was one of the places that played it live. We watched it happen horrifically, happen live on television. And MTV had an incredible, they won an Emmy for it, had some incredible coverage from young people in China, hmm. when the Tiananmen Square massacre happened, and that was, I think it set the standard for them at the time, because I believe that was 89, if I'm if I'm correct. It was 89 or 90, right? At Tiananmen Square. Um, I don't, I... It was 89, I think. I remember hearing about that on uh, mainstream news and stuff, but I don't remember the MTV coverage. It was, MTV had incredible coverage of it. Um, they were also there when the wall came down, the Berlin mm-hmm. Wall. I yep. remember that. That was David huge, Hasselhoff. huge, huge. <laughs> When the Berlin Wall came down, it's it, the Hoff. We, yeah. we, but we can make fun of that. But there were artists, yeah. there were oh, yeah. music artists and 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 actors that happened to be in the area. And MTV was the one that said, "Hey, who the fuck is here that's famous? Yeah, we got to get here. We got to do this." And they, and and it was a lot of the people who were commenting <laughs> on it and who were reporting on it were actual young people that had no experience in journalism that were there at the wall as it was being torn down by the hands of the German people, which was yeah. incredible. And they were there yeah, for that. that so it, MTV has broken a lot. And like I mentioned, Pedro Zamora getting going deep into that. Yes, Pedro Zamora was one of the people on our show. He died of AIDS. But to go in depth into it and talk about it in depth MTV News was groundbreaking and really important for us to talk about, you know, just for a minute, that they covered a lot more than just music news. And what was, I think what was so refreshing and and and, and people really should go back and, and watch the old MTV News on, Absolutely. you know, on YouTube, just, just for a study on the fresh perspective and reaction of the people that were doing the news, because these weren't. These weren't. This wasn't anybody with an agenda. This wasn't CNN no. or Fox News. This was. Yep. This was a fresh reaction, and you could see, oh, yeah. like, in the moment, how how just regular people, because these people weren't trained. Like you said, they weren't trained no. journalists. No, they were just no. fans. They were just fans of music mm-hmm. or whatever that got a job, 
mm-hmm. they were just reacting as any other person would react to the situation at hand. And it's incredibly That's what was so amazing. Refreshing. Begs it's the just question, so how awesome. did we lose this? <laughs> How I don't, know. I don't exactly. know. Well, but we, we did. talked you know, more we, times. Sailor, more times, Sailor, yeah. you brought this up earlier, and and we talked about it that it it, it hit a point where things became um, so scripted. Yes, produced, <sighs> written, and scripted, which is wrong. Well, let's face it. I mean, if you're if you if you own if you own a uh, a TV station or whatever, you can control things if you can script things and live live anything is is dangerous and is scary and so to get somebody's true human reaction to anything it's uh you know what you're putting yourself at risk when when today's media is there to sell advertisements oh yeah and you're so you're so right when you say that jake it was a true human reaction and you know i can't help but think it's like someone hands you you know says oh kirk Cobain just killed himself in seattle you're on in three, two, one, and you have <laughs> yeah. a real exactly reaction. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly that what quick. happened to yeah. them. They didn't. They didn't have. Um, I, I I don't know if you guys know that. Well, most media stations are prepared for disasters like this. For example, absolutely. absolutely. I can't remember the the station's name in in Minneapolis. They they discussed because they did this like 24 hour of Prince after Prince passed away and they streamed it live on (laughs) on the internet I listened to it the Uh, whole time mm -hmm. and they said you know we've had contingency plans for so many artists but we didn't have one for Prince because they didn't feel like they needed to and that to me immediately was like fuck don't have a contingency plan because I remember (laughs) Matt just like you said when Kurt Cobain passed away it was scramble and shock and it was Yeah, It, it, it was it was like I don't even, I, what, we don't know what's happening. We don't know what to do. We're just going to like get these people who are on the ground already and then we'll get our people out there when they can. But one of the things I want to bring up too, just to divert from the heaviness for a second is a lot of the rawness, um, and it's going to sound funny, but it, but it's true. I, I, I heard this and read this several times. A lot of the rawness of how they reported the news came from their original VJs that would be on the ground um, out in, on the streets, like downtown Julie Brown. If you guys remember the beginning, her point was she would be in the clubs. Hey, yeah, yeah. I'm at such and such place in New York City. This is what the uh-huh. DJs are playing tonight. This is what everybody's dancing to. This is the next video. Yeah. And she was literally, truly in a club in New York City. She was downtown. You know, the limelight. She was, exactly. <laughs> That's why she was called Downtown Julie Brown. She was literally picked up because she was a club girl who had her finger on the pulse. And the way she would report on what was happening in music and live shows was how they wanted to set the standard for their reporting. And that is about as real and raw as it gets. And I wished, fuck, I wish we could get that back. Just give me the facts or you can give me your own personal opinion. That's fine, you know. But th- it was a way of reporting that that was groundbreaking at the time and is now very sadly missed. Well, to to make a point at you know how how this spans culture that uh, <laughs> growing up playing basketball, we would always say like when you're shooting threes, you would just you'd throw it up and you'd be like, oh, downtown Julie Brown. You just say something like that. I mean, everybody knew who downtown Julie Brown was. It was just, it was crazy. You just knew. Everybody knew. I don't know. I don't know if there's 
I, don't, I, I mean, I guess I'm not a young person in today's society, but I feel like, <clears throat> and, and maybe we'll talk about this and you know shortly as to the deconstruction of MTV and and the YouTube culture and how there's so many options nowadays where I don't feel like you know where everybody when we were growing up everybody knew what was going on on MTV because you had to know what was going on on MTV otherwise right. it was like it was the it was the teenage water cooler you had to well, know I remember, you had to yep. know to be relevant back at that time MTV was one of those channels that you just had the TV on and it was playing in the background. <laughs> you no did. matter what you were doing in the house. <clears throat> yep. And yep. then maybe it you became... Know, it was just on. Yeah. And you know, it, it became VH1. Noise. It became... Yeah. I think for at some point it transitioned to VH1. And I don't know if we're going to talk about that at all. But VH1 became the music video channel for a while. Because it went like MTV, then MTV2, then VH1, and then VH1 started doing all the documentaries, which was really cool, blah, 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 blah. Oh, VH1 was like MTV Light. Yeah, the point that I I was making is that that then, at that point, everybody knew the same reference. If you were, like I said, if I'm a junior high kid throwing up a three-pointer saying i'm downtown julie brown everybody knew what that meant that it was downtown julie brown everybody knew who downtown julie brown was because she was on mtv nowadays i think that there are so many different outlets for media that i mean if you were to poll 100 kids you might get 60 different you know major channels quote unquote of entertainment whereas uh, we sure. didn't have we didn't have that no yeah mtv is so far removed now from mu- actual music videos at this point that uh, i don't honestly know don't know why they still maintain the name yeah i don't either television because <laughs> there's zero I mean, music other other channels have <laughs> changed their there's names music. when yep. they've changed their formats yep. why yep. hasn't mtv changed their the name the first thing i, I no thought idea. of the first thing i thought of when I, I thought of that too ed the first thing i thought of was back when long time ago in our metallica episodes when sailor said you know they changed metallica changed their sound they should have changed their name <laughs> it was the first thing i thought of i was like they changed right? you know, mtv changed their culture and changed their sound they should have that, changed their I think name that was that was my point is that if you make such a huge departure and I don't yeah. I don't want to get into this too much. They should have changed the GTV for garbage television. You know because yeah. sci-fi the the science fiction sh- wait what was it called first? Was it called Sci-Fi Channel then it's now yeah, Siffy. Siffy. I fucking hate that. But anyway. What's Siffy? Yeah. It's still, National, it's still sci-fi. The, no, it's still no, sci-fi. It's called Siffy, but it's S-Y-F-Y. still sci-fi in my TV. It used to be S C I F I. Exactly. S- it's Y. What is it now? It's S F Y. No. Yeah. It doesn't S Y F Y. Like yeah. I still say something. S I F Y. Because and if and then there was na- na- like National Geographic. I'm like, just call yourself the fucking Alien Hitler Channel. Will <laughs> the, you already? The Expanse like, on Sci-Fi is one I mean, of my favorite shows. So I still watch that. Anyway, the point <laughs> is that what? Yeah. Why do they hold on to it? I don't know. Why wouldn't they think to me at this moment? For me, if there was one place, one place where I could distill all the new music out there 
music news, what's happening in the world of music. My God, how does someone not get that? Now more than ever, wouldn't you want a one place to go to that could at least give you like a, a little appetizer, a tidbit, a snapshot, a summary of what's going on? Because it, like you just said, Jake, like you go on YouTube, you're on Spotify, it's like podcast and blah, it's everywhere. They would be so perfect to have one channel that's like, all right, there's a gazillion options out there. We're going to give you like our summary and concise opinion on it. I would be obsessed with it. I would be obsessed with that channel. I would turn it on every day. I would listen to it, uh, listen to it, watch it, whatever the fuck it is going to be. I would be so into that right now. I, I, I can't imagine why that wouldn't be a thing these days. And to watch a music video still, of course that's appealing. People watch YouTube videos millions and millions and millions and millions of them who thinks no one wants to watch music videos are you fucking kidding me right now like we just talked about this in a previous episode well now you can now you can just pick now you can just pick the music videos that you want to watch and that but but that's a big difference but that's the difference exactly we used to get presented music videos that that maybe we should watch and yes especially especially i you know and we didn't quite get into this yet, but, you know, I think in the 80s, and you mentioned this prior, that in the early 80s and mid-80s, is that it was all kind of rock and roll and metal and whatever. I think in the 90s is when it became super diverse, where you were watching you were watching rock, pop, rap, hip-hop. You could, yeah, get, you could get every genre... Yeah. You know, every mainstream genre of music from MTV. So you could really kind of, you were presented a whole lot of stuff and you would kind of really pick and choose what you wanted. Well, you were exposed from there. to it. You were which exposed was to it. Whereas yes. nowadays, nowadays. How do you expose yourself? How nowadays, do you, know what you what, expose yourself to? You know, like for us, for us, okay, so for us, we kind of know what we like. So yes, for us adults, who have already gone through the MTV generation, we can go to YouTube and listen. You know, we talked about this with Tool because Tool isn't on Spotify or Amazon. So we can go to YouTube and watch Tool, listen to Tool. We can go and listen to different bands that we already know that we like. But what about young kids? Like, but what about us? Wait a minute, wait, wait. Where do young kids, young kids... Where do I get exposed to new, to stuff, new stuff that I might not know about? Right. How do I... Because... Expo- you know, like, my only avenue You have to search it out. You have to search it out on satellite and on everything. But what am I searching for? I don't exactly. know. Like, Spotify, I wait, Spotify, Spotify tells me, like, hey, you might be interested in this new artist and this new artist. And, you know, thank God most of my friends are musicians. But I want to be exposed you to You don't new get things. it like you used and to. to. No, you exactly. You just don't get I it like you used know. to. I want to know. And I don't want to rely on... And Sadly, it used to be that my friends on social media would post things, Facebook, Instagram, but now there's a fucking algorithm that tells me whose posts I get to see and whose posts I don't get to see. So I'm even further limited. So again, where is that one place that can expose you to so many different things and so many different avenues of music? I would love for that to come It doesn't exist. Yeah, I, it doesn't, and it should. Yeah. Now more than ever, it absolutely should. I think. Yeah, which is ironic now that uh, <laughs> you know how they went away, and now would be like the perfect time to make a comeback to go back to their roots. It would. 
It absolutely. Imagine having one music news channel, one channel that's going to give you mainstream shit. Plus, hey, 120 minutes underground shit. Oh, hey, here's a show which for is metal funny. stuff. Here's a show for rap and hip hop with no agenda. Here's a show for country. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Which is funny because Imagine. MTV has a YouTube channel, but it's just their it's just their TV shows. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. bullshit. <laughs> yeah, Who it's... the fuck wants to see that? Fuck the TV <laughs> yeah. shows. Okay. I don't care. Hey. Hey, it's for hey. horses. About, can we all discuss, like, maybe, like, what our favorite or most memorable videos were? Hey, can you play a song real quick? Can you play a song real quick, Ed, so I can go pee? We all need a pee break? All right. Yeah, let's play do a song. It. One pee break coming up. One song for a pee break. All right, welcome back from that break. Um, everybody's sufficiently emptied their bladders. Now, <laughs> I had asked before the break um, if anyone could think of some of the more memorable or favorite videos from the, you could say, the golden era of music television. Um, what would you call out? Sailor? Um. So I would have to say, like... I'm going to split it up into two pieces of time. Early on, um, the videos were not good. Uh, what? But the, I'm talking about the beginning of it, like 81, like 82. The very, like the beginning. very beginning. Oh, like, okay, the okay. They were, okay. Okay. They were, ter- they yeah. were terrible. I'll agree with Before you Before people started actually making them for it. So one of my – Cindy Lauper and Madonna – because they were women, because they were women who I didn't, you know, I'm, I was very young at the time, maybe 11, 12. I had an understanding that they were putting a middle finger up to something. I, I wasn't sure quite what yet, but I was getting that they were rebellious and not giving a shit and being empowered. And so they were important for me. I will never forget seeing the Billie Jean video. I will never forget that in my lifetime. Um, And those are the, those are the ones that really stand out for me. And then later um, nine inch nails um, and tool, those bands at that point. Closer nine inch nails was crazy. That was crazy. This is when this is, you know, (laughs) I I could say aha because it was like, okay. Yeah. Super interesting. Sure, sure, sure. But that's, you know, really popular. It's iconic. Uh, yeah, Peter Gabriel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, Sledgehammer, like, Sledgehammer, out. and Take yeah, On cool. Me are two like sure. the most iconic cool. music videos yes. of all time. I think but we can all we can all agree with that. Out with me, I would say are you know I, I would say Tool. I would say Nine Snails Closer, like you mm-hmm. said. And I hate to say it, but Nirvana's Teen Spirit. Um, <sighs> yeah, for sure. Stole my it, it, because <sighs> it was a. I'm sorry. It was just yeah. a. It was a change in tone, and I think it was almost like a bell had been rung, and everything was about to change visually and sound-wise in the Mm -hmm. mainstream for a minute in rock, I would say, and... Um, yep. you know, it's, it's, it sounds a little corny now, but that, it really was a change in tone. It really was a bell rung at the time. And that video was not that it was like such a visual masterpiece, but it was, uh, oh, yeah, shit. This is so, you know, like it was just, it was such a change. Um, and then, you know, so you later got the, you know, uh, Nine Inch Nails Closer and Tool and all that. 
Um, I, I would love to say that there's a lot of heavy metal videos, but not, not really. Not yeah. Really, no. <clears throat> Even the ones that are um, iconic really are not. Twisted Sister, come on, yeah. you're not gonna. <laughs> well, what are you okay. gonna do with your oh. life? Okay. But here's the thing: yes, even but, even those you know, ones like that Beastie are Boys, super iconic, they're not that Beastie good. Bo- right, and I, Beastie Boys, of course, <laughs> they're dated. You know, like they they're they're Beastie Boys did a great job with their videos. Eminem later on did an amazing job with his videos. Like he's so satirical. He's he's so good at making fun of himself, being self deprecating. Did a great job with his videos. But the ones that stand out are the ones that I mentioned. Those are the first ones that come to mind for me. What about you, Matt? Um, well, I mean, I just jotted down a bunch of them. That the first, just the first ones that popped in my head that I can remember, you know. And uh, you know, I had "Smells Like Teen Spirit," just like Sailor. Mm-hmm. Um, "Hot for Teacher." Oh, oh. Man, yeah, there you go. Sure, dude. Yeah. Well, that's a yeah. young because it was kind of virtual. It was kind of controversial, <laughs> oh, I guess, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, you know, I had sledge- <laughs> "Sledgehammer." Yep. Um, Thriller. <laughs> Oh. Obviously, I mean, which was the groundbreaking video, really. I should have mentioned Thriller. Yeah. Um, I can remember going to our local theater. My mom actually took me to our local theater to see Thriller. Thriller, yeah, because they were too. playing I it in theaters. Oh. Yeah. Yep. 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 That was uh, awesome. Yep. Mon- Money for Nothing. Um, yeah. November Rain. <laughs> oh, November Rain. Yeah. When that when that rose turns like bleeds out to oh, white. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Sailor. Can't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Black Hole awesome. Black Hole Sun. Uh, that was yeah. on my list. Yep. Um with their faces, their faces went all like warped and cartoony and the eyes got big and yeah. with Black Hole Sun. Uh Freak on a Leash. Oh yeah, Corn. that was a good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that you chose uh, corn. <laughs> so good. Um, and for some weird reason, maybe because it's just I, I don't know, weird. The the blind melon video with the freaking girl in the with baby. the girl oh, in the bee costume, no rain. in the bee costume. Yeah. What, what song so was cute. that? What's the name of that song? No rain. Uh, no, no, no rain. rain. Yeah. Thank you. Thank no you. Rain. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 That was that's. That's a feel good video. It's yeah, such it's a just, feel that's good. Just, I'm just. I was more. It was a good like one. I mean, iconic. It's iconic. Yeah, yeah. It's it iconic. Is, it is. Yeah. It yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's this segment yeah. of the show is yeah. iconic videos. We're yeah. going to discuss yeah. iconic videos yeah. because there's I, too many though to mention. My God, I think the yeah, four of us. So I think many, the four but, of us between the four yeah. of us, we're going to bring up probably the most iconic videos. We're not probably going to bring up like the most recent videos because they all suck. These are the most yes, iconic true, videos yeah. and if you disagree totally. you're wrong. Yep. <laughs> I mean I might have I might should have included Britney Spears Toxic. <clears throat> My wife would say yes. <laughs> <clears throat> Jake, how about you? Go ahead, Ed, because I don't want to take any more of yours. I know you've been cringing as we're all <laughs> as as Sailor and Matt well, stole your videos. You know, as I started thinking about it, in the 80s, in the music video, Michael Jackson was just such a master of the music. Greatest entertainer ever, in my opinion. Of course. In my opinion. Thriller was the video of all videos. And to the... I don't think there's anything that can top it. Never. Especially if you were there at the time. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, well, can I make know, a point real also, quick, Ed? Because you kind yeah, of you ahead. kind of threw out uh, Twisted Sisters video. What was the Michael Jackson video that was kind of like that? Was that was it was it bad? No, black or white, black or white, uh, black, black or white, white. black yeah. and white. Yeah. yeah, they had a very yeah. similar kind of yeah, premise. Yeah. Uh huh. That I was. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, kid listening to the rock and roll in his <laughs> yeah. room or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, um, and another one I distinctly remember was, do you remember the video for Say, 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 where Michael yes! Jackson and uh, Paul McCartney yes. did yeah. like they they did like, like an old, like a, yeah, yeah, like, like a vaudeville or, uh, you know, aliens. like the traveling, you know, snake oil salesman or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. I, rem- I for some that. reason, that's, I always remember that's, that. That's one of those forgotten awesome songs video. from that album. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Such a good song. And, um, of course, Sledgehammer, Peter Gabriel, yeah. Yeah. the stop motion photography yep. and everything just... Yeah, br- for, at the Stop time, motion brilliant. and claymation. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Which is, and, um, yeah. of course, you mentioned before, Take On Me was another revolutionary kind of uh, artistic <laughs> video. Um, and I had also on my list Smells Like Teen Spirit later on. I think that was um, that Sailor. I just say repeat everything you said about that. It was, <laughs> yeah. I felt the same way. And um, one more thing was all the police um, back in the day. I remember the song. I always remember. This is one of the video I always think about. It was wrapped around your finger. Mm. It was like running through the the, the The candelabras, knocking them over (laughs) and stuff like that. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Another iconic video, too. I'll never forget. Isn't this this really what... This is something that our generations really kind of took in was this the iconic music video that i don't know i mean to me <clears throat> i mean i when guess you talk about it everybody knows what you're talking about yeah. i guess to each yes. to each their own That's and the thing yes and no you're missing out on a part of the art it's true yeah there are a few artists that are still upholding the vision and the art and we brought I brought her up last winter, I think it was. I had just been turned on to her. Sia. Remember when I brought her up? Because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't even know the fuck she was because yeah. I don't listen to modern music. Yeah, and I don't my, And my, my best friend, Kelly, <laughs> and I was staying with her and she has her little girl, Violet. And Violet can do all these dances. And Violet was two at the time. I was watching her videos and I was like, and, she, and her videos are controversial. She took a lot of shit for one of them. Um, they are so incredibly choreographed. There is so much thought behind the artistic nature and the contemporary nature of how the video Do they tell a story? Music. Absolutely. Because that's and always I what I loved about the early exactly. videos is I yeah, felt like I don't they just told watch a you story. Singing. I could give a fuck. Exactly. Show me something, even if it's avant- an avant-garde view. Yeah, but I remember sure. when I started watching these videos, I'm like... I recognized, like, I think I was on, like, the third video. Uh, You know, I was like, oh, my God, this is making me feel like when I used to watch videos. I'm intrigued that there's – I'm watching a story, and I know a story is going to play out. That's cool. Yeah. I I mean – And those were the best videos I've seen in 10 years. Absolutely. At least 10 years, maybe more. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I obviously – I pointed out – I – to me, I think probably the um, – I'd probably go ahead and put it at the top two videos of all time for MTV are 
our take on me and our thriller. I just feel sure. like they laid the groundwork for everything else that came beyond it. Um, November Rain, I commented, I love that. Maybe a couple others that uh, that didn't get mentioned. Um, Faith No More's epic, I thought so was good, uh, good, yeah. good, good. <clears throat> had Absolutely. really cool yes. videography and nice job, yeah. and really yeah. you know interesting yeah. camera work to it. I thought that was a that was one that really stuck in my mind throughout my life. Um, <clears throat> boy, I mean, I'd be hard pressed not to mention one by Metallica, even though it's completely oh, yeah. dated. Even when you watch it now, it's so dated. I mean, it fits in, it, it's completely pigeonholed into a class of video, but the idea behind it was really cool. And it was, you know, for that metal genre, I feel like it stands out. Does it stand out overall? It doesn't to me. But in that genre, I feel like it's it was pretty cool. So I got to throw that out there. But uh, <clears throat> yeah. I get that. I think when I, it, you know, you guys all brought up Thriller and I would have brought up Thriller. I mean, to this day, oh, yeah. if Thriller comes on, I can do the whole dance. Mm. And I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. I think the reason I brought up Billie Jean is because um, I have a memory, a very in- interesting memory. I'm, I was at, um, one of my mom's friend's house and they had MTV on and, um, all of a sudden Billie Jean came on and I was mesmerized. My mom and her friend Mary are sitting behind me. Now they remember Michael Jackson in a completely different context than I was, how I was being introduced to him. Right. So they recognized him. I didn't know who he was. But I loved him instantly. They're like, thinking the little kid in Jackson Five. Jackson, yes, they yeah, knew that's him from Jackson Five. They knew we him had all the Jackson the Five records. Yeah, I mean, but I didn't. I mean, I, I recognized later that I, she would play their record, the records. But I became obs- I was obsessed with Michael Jackson for like a, several years. Like there are pictures of me, like my whole bedroom, like there wasn't even a space on my wall. It was all Michael Jackson everywhere. Like, Heck before yeah. I got into like yep. heavy into metal, I was literally. <clears throat> I got the glove for Christmas once and the jacket. I had the whole I was thing. Michael Jackson like, so many times for Halloween. <laughs> I had the, the it's stupid microphone, the game with the glove, the whole deal. Oh, but, yeah. So that's why I mentioned Billie Jean because it was a groundbreaking sound at the time for MTV. And I didn't know who he was yet. And then for my mom to go... And I remember them going, oh, he turned out to be a good-looking young man. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know him? And then my mom was like, oh, yeah. And she started telling me all about him. And we didn't relate at all when I was younger. My mother and I did not relate on shit. The one place that we could relate sometimes was in music until I got into metal. But so she was like, oh, yeah, the albums. And she like pulls out and we got home the Jackson 5 albums. And then she had Off the Wall. And so for Uh, my birthday that year, oh my God, Off the Wall is one of the best (laughs) albums in the history of the world. Ever. Ever. In the history of the world. So I asked the DJ, so my mom rented out the roller skating rink, and I said to the DJ, I want you to play Off the Wall. Yeah. And nothing else. Off the Wall and Bad. Off the Wall and Bad, that that combination of two albums. Fucking obsessed. Don't stop till you get enough was like a roller rink staple. Oh, yeah. Yes, it was. was. (laughs) And so was Living Off the Wall. It was like the fucking shit. But yes, 
Of course, Thriller is fucking epic, and I did the same thing. But Smooth Criminal, Smooth Criminal was a super popular video too, and and that was like super cinemagraphic too. Like they tried to make that they specifically tried to make that music video feel like a movie. Yeah, maybe even more than Thriller, because even like Thriller. Jan thriller was the did. first one to really do that, though. Well, yeah. yeah. It was oh, like, for it sure. Was because, well, well Thriller was a movie. It was a film. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. But, like, Smooth Criminal, as as itself, as a music video, it was a music video that felt like you were, you were watching a segment of a movie with the music behind it. Whereas Thriller, it was like you were watching a movie with some music behind it. That makes sense. Yeah. Did I say that right? What was the one know. he did with Janet Jackson where they're on the spaceship? Because that oh, one was um, fucking epic too. Fear, scream, like scream, scream, no. scream. Was yeah. It scream? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was so well done, and that's way later. I was already checking out yeah, of MTV at the later time. Later in his career, that was like ninety six. Yeah, I remember coming across and being like, "Whoa, that's fucking awesome!" I mean, that it was the height of her career at the time too, and I thought that was also that was hugely groundbreaking as well, especially when he did "Leave Me Alone" too. It was also yeah. <laughs> very groundbreaking at the time and very controversial. We could do what we should do a show on Michael Jackson, <laughs> even though he's not metal. Yeah. I think he's well, a rock he's star. rock. Fuck yeah, he was. He's a total rock star. If there was ever a rock star, Michael Jackson He had was a Slash. He had Eddie Van Halen. I mean, yeah. look at the yeah. rock stars that he had playing with him. Yeah. And he was <laughs> a fucking rock star. I mean, now, he was one I, of the biggest celebrities to ever exist in the world. I will know? I will say no. this, that in my opinion... He's he is I mean he's named this for a reason and I would agree with it. He's the king of pop, but he has absolutely had some fantastic rock stars just Absol- crush yes. it with him. Oh, yeah. and, and you know, in, in my opinion, I mean, this is just me and 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 call me biased, whatever. I'm such a Michael Jackson fan, and I always Same. have been my entire life. For the like the spectrum of what he could do from a singer, a dancer, etc. Oh, yeah. To me, oh, yeah. to me, was the whole he was, a he was, artist, he was the greatest entertainer. He was the greatest yes. entertainer yes. that, that I could ever speak of. Absolutely. So, Agreed. Yep. That, that's, totally. that's always been my, my sentiment upon him, you know, minus everything surrounding him outside of that. Like from the time he was, five years old in the mm-hmm. Jackson five and singing and dancing uh-huh. and everything else. And what he, what he accomplished in his lifetime. I Absolutely. mean, <clears throat> you look yes. at, you look at nowadays, like, it, it, I mean, it's crazy because I'll watch, you know, I watch Sesame street with my kids all the time and I'll see like Jason Derulo, who's like a modern day pop star. And he's, <clears throat> he's, do, you know, dancing a variation of the moonwalk on Sesame Street, and it's like I remember seeing that in 1986 when it was yeah, debuted. You know <laughs> yeah, yeah, when it was debuted <laughs> yeah. by Michael Jackson, like that. That, but that dance style, that that slide of foot, is what is so popular today. You know, how many years later, Michael Jackson was he was initiating that in the 80s. And here we are in the almost twenty, almost twenty twenties, and it's this is the dance style that's so popular. That's a legendary and it's, artist. It's still it absolutely is. comes from him. Nobody else. There's nobody else. It comes from him. 
That's yeah. incredible. And it, and, it, and it comes from, to bring it all back, it comes from what he did on MTV. Yes. Because yep. that's where that's where we all got to see yep. it. That's where we all got to yeah, see I it. I think uh, Michael you, Jackson you don't get definitely see it. owes no. a lot of his success to MTV. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I would turn absolutely. that around. I would absolutely turn that around and say that MTV owes a lot of their success I think it's to both. people I like think Michael Jackson. a good synergy. I agree with you. Yes. Both ways. Exactly. Madonna. It was a great relationship yeah. that they had for a very long time. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yes. I think it absolutely. took, a, I t- I think it took the right generation. Yeah. Because I don't think yep. I don't think you know the Frank Sinatra generation could have done an MTV. I think it took the right generation of people that were yep. willing to receive something of change, and yep. the right generation of musicians that were ready to present something that was acceptable of change, but yet, you know, of quality. Another medium of art is what you needed. You had to have literal entertainers, and that's the thing is you could tell the bands that weren't really entertainers. They were into playing their music. They Uh play it well on stage. They're talented musically. They're tight. That's great. Can they perform? Can they entertain? Can they be artists to go above and beyond? the? Can they create a concept? And and then articulate. Like I I mean, I, I get this for me. How do you articulate your musical vision or find a partner that can articulate that for I was just going to say, can I, point out, yeah. can I point out that it brought in a whole new um, a whole new class of position in the music industry. of And directors of, that became famous. Of directors, just, like producers, art, you know, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, all those people that that got brought into the industry that were able to, to, um, to translate an art form into a you know a, an audio art form into a visual art form yeah and connect the two i saw and we're yeah. and we're forever grateful i mean i saw i was a, watching a documentary about the 80s basically the 80s and it was only they said that you know there were always musicians but mtv had separated the musicians from the performance artists like there were a lot of musicians, well but they weren't necessarily yes. performance artists. That, and yeah, the ones that great. could do both were the ones Very that made good. it. Yep. That's a great way to yep. that's yep. a great way to cap this yep. discussion, Matt. I yep. couldn't yep. I couldn't Absolutely. think of a better way to cap this off. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that will be their yep. legacy, I believe. Um, Absolutely. From yes. now on, um, yes. even though they really aren't MTV anymore. No. I, that's that's a sad that's a sad part. Yeah, that's only. It's really sad, but anyway, that was. That was an awesome discussion, guys, and a great trip down memory lane for myself, and I guess you guys as well. Um, so now it, it, it comes a time in the show. We like to thank our listeners for sticking around with us and um, ask, is, is there anything you want to talk about you've been listening to lately? Hey, I got something to say real quick. I yeah, do too. go ahead. Yeah. So we've got something really exciting coming up on the Metal and Ris- Metal Rock and Whiskey show. We're going to be doing Risky? Yeah, Metal Rishki. <laughs> the Metal Rishki? Oh God, Shira. <laughs> <laughs> and what was Pearl Garden? Is that what I said? <laughs> Pearl Garden? What's going on with Pearl Garden and Metal Rishki? <laughs> Sound jam? <laughs> Sound jam. <laughs> We're going to be launching a lady takeover <laughs> of the Metal oh, Rock and Whiskey yeah. show. And I'm excited to announce that it's going to be the Mrs. Whiskey Obsessor oh. will be co-hosting with me. Ooh. And so it's going to be... Save the E. Got some We're going to have 
some badass babes on this show. Let me tell you, we have lined up some incredible female musicians, some incredible female Whoa. whiskey business ladies. I, I'm so excited to present this to you guys. And there. we are going to be making a really exciting announcement. It's going to be a two-part series, and we will be um, making a huge, huge, huge announcement for the Metal Rock and Whiskey Show. I cannot wait to present this to you guys, and I'm super excited to work with your wife, Matt. We're going to have so much fun. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) You sound so excited. (laughs) She can dish all the dirt. (laughs) Uh, uh Uh-oh. Dun-dun-dun. You think you know me now. <laughs> um, so that's, I'm super that's excited for her say. and for you guys. It's amazing. Hey, thanks. Yep. I are you guys gonna go <laughs> out some shows <laughs> you've been you. listening to? I I've been actually listening to a a lot of like open open discussion shows. You know, shows where um, different different views from all sides and perspectives can be discussed and and one of the shows that uh i've listened to quite a bit lately is the uh it's called the rubin report with dave rubin i would suggest it to anybody because it's 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 not on really any side of the aisle so to speak it's really just a uh, a platform for anybody with any perspective to come on and just discuss their viewpoints um that's that's a kind of a show this week i've been been kicking on so i always like to have open discussion it's a big thing with me what are you ed well for me um actually lately i've been kind of digging back into the old some older music um and there's a band um it's a chicago-based band um, called Ministry. Oh boy, that I've been oh, nice. digging back into. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a band that they're. I think they're pretty significant in the rock and metal definitely. genre, definitely. And they've definitely evolved through their years, and they've got a lot of albums out. <clears throat> um, but I think they're criminally overlooked in so many discussions about um about music and i was specifically listening to um their 1992 album uh the way to uh psalm 69 the way to succeed and the way to suck eggs is, uh, <laughs> super recent super recent great and yeah. you listen to that and you think immediately you're thinking of nine inch nails you think of rob zombie when you hear the south such a great album um yeah, so yeah, I've been digging on that lately. Awesome. Such a good nice. music. Yep. Well, why don't we put a ribbon on this? Matt? <laughs> okay, I'll put a bow on it. <laughs> no, a ribbon. No, a bow. <laughs> Either way, a bow you is can made make a of bow out of a ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least Ed knew what I was leading Two. towards. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to our fellow Metal Rock and Whiskey obsessors, we value your opinions and your feedback. Find us on Instagram at Metal Rock Whiskey. Send us your love, your likes, and please share your thoughts, reviews, questions, suggestions, concerns, and comments about our show. You can also follow us individually on Instagram. Yours truly at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey. Save the E. Save it. <laughs> 
Save the E. And if you want to follow me for whatever reason, um, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Bourbon Geek Sailor. Yep, you can find me on the internet says Sailor Retro. And a little bit of a shout out to our friends at When Particles Collide. We love yeah. you. New and album coming out. Yep, their new album's out like any second now. And another shout out to the Firewater Review. <laughs> Heck yeah. What's up, Seth? <clears throat> Seth and Aaron doing a great job there. They're kind of uh, back on their somewhat of a usual flow, I guess you would say. Yeah. They kind of took yeah. a little little break for a minute. But uh, got it. we do love those guys. And we love all you listeners out there as well. And thank you for listening. And we hope that you enjoyed this show as much as we enjoyed recording it and having fun studying this topic and kind of mm-hmm. dipping back into memory lane, especially with this, with this particular episode. I mean, I think we can all recollect ourselves just sitting on the couch and watching videos and you know seeing seeing the progression of of the music industry through mtv and um you know what let us let us know what you thought about it we hope you do so but for now glass is empty tip your waitress we're out of here see you later everyone later fuck you lars i love you more.